0: Hello! Just before we get started, we're going to run a promo for our good friends, The Redacted Files. The awesome people. Listen to this, then go listen to their stuff.
1: Note to
2: self, if an irradiated man who happens to be like the third copy that you've run into ever tells you, don't go in there, don't go in there. The Redacted Files is an actual play podcast.
3: Ooh, and a natural 20! (laughs) If anyone
2: just... A little discomforted by the fact that she gets so excited with a natural 20. With tales of horror and suspense.
3: And he wishes you a good afternoon.
2: I go home to the nightmares I will inevitably have. Told one bad die roll at a time. That's your attack? Yes. (laughs) Stop laughing at us. Visit us at theredactedfiles.com, where you can give us a listen, or join us in telling the next story. You
3: can investigate, or you can go down the stairs
4: go. Do you guys think we'll go? I
0: I think we'll go. Howdy, Nutters. Welcome to a very special edition of Swordnut Radio. In this episode, we are joined by Megan and Asa from the Redacted Files and Firefly podcast and James D'Amato from OneShot Podcast. And we're going to talk about podcasting. Now, all of us at one point were listening to podcasts and were thinking, hang on, I could probably do something like that, but where do I start? How do I do things? So on this episode, we're going to talk about all the tips, tricks, and advice that we've picked up along the way that we think might help you guys. We talk a little bit about technical bits and pieces, what kind of mics, what kind of mixes we use, but this isn't a technical how-to. The best source of those is on YouTube. If you want to learn how to use a particular tool on Audacity um, or a particular way to set up a mic, the best way to do that is to see it happen on YouTube. And while there are lots of bits of advice that we could pass on, about, say, how to use a compression tool, how to use the noise remover tool in terms of the settings and the numbers, it would be really boring listening, and we still wouldn't be able to explain it as well as if you see it happen on the screen. So you'll probably hear a change in my mic quality as we go into the episode. That's because I'm recording this intro on the setup we use around the table, and that is a Speedlink lavalier microphone, which is feeding into a ULAS digital recorder which everyone has, and it's mounted on my beard. <laughs> and during the episode, my audio is being recorded by a Samson Go mic, which is a small USB mic. It's, it's tiny and is uh, very portable, but it's not the best sound quality. Now, we do have quite a long blooper section as well. The reason is that we have a lot of discussion before and after the show, which is really kind of... Some of it's amusing, but some of it is the nitty-gritty of how you set up recording and how you start a conversation on skype that you're going to record and i thought it was valuable to have those things in you'll notice a drastic reduction in the sound quality because that is the raw feed from skype there's no noise reduction there's no leveling uh, there's no compression other than what skype normally does and you'll find it's horrendous so hopefully as you get an idea of what you kind of start with and what you kind of end up with god this is the 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 most hard part for me which is the intro i always screw this up i feel really really (laughs) self-conscious this might go on all our feeds so i'll just say hi i'm paul from Swordnet radio and we are going to be talking about podcasting and how to do things and our tips and things that we wish we'd been told before we started this crazy thing and i'll be talking to james d'amato from one shot podcast and campaign podcast and a million other things hello heroes (laughs) successful kickstarter branding on point yeah (laughs) um for which very much congratulations i'm looking forward to my copy of noisy person cards
4: oh thank you very much paul i'm glad that you are living in a place where our shipping rates weren't
0: insane (laughs) even if they were at a gone for it it sounds fantastic Um, it's going to be mandatory character creation for every game i ever play now (laughs) and we are joined by megan and asa Tolentino. did i pronounce that right yep yep From the Redacted Files podcast and Firefly podcast. That's us. (laughs) And I believe congratulations are also in order.
1: Thank you. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Uh,
0: For those of you who don't listen to the show, Megan and Asa just got married. Oh, (laughs) congratulations, you two.
3: Thanks. (laughs)
4: Megan, I got to say, this is a huge relief to me, because in Chicago, we have Megan Pedersen, who also does (laughs) podcasting. So...
0: You've just made it so her on much Twitter easier. Once. <laughs> <laughs> that is a sore point for me. I have the most common name on the planet. After, mm. after like um was it Wong Yin or something like that from, yeah, it's Paul Bennett is the second most common. There were three people in my company with my name.
3: I ran into that with Megan Peterson a lot, which is why I was very happy to change my last name.
0: <laughs> <laughs> also, yeah, feel free to plug anything you want and talk about your shows in in, in a Uh, a promotey kind of way as well, because it'll help people track what we're talking about. If you've got a story that relates to something that you've put out on your feed, then by all means do it. So what I like to do is start this by everyone giving that thing. Everyone always asks you for is what's your setup. Okay. Um, So to give you an idea here, I'm Paul, I'm the editor of Swordnet radio, which is an actual play podcast. We do D and D dark heresy, various one shots of things. And mostly we record around a table and sometimes over Skype, sometimes both at the same time. But mostly we all have individual lav mics recording on individual devices. Um, and sometimes we have one mic in the middle of the table. We edit with Audacity and uh, host our services on Podbean.
4: All right. Um, so for me, uh, on one shot and the overshare and campaign and really anything else that I'm doing, uh, my setup is done with a mixing board. And the variety of my mixing board is the Zenix uh, X1222 USB. It is a six channel XLR mixer. Uh, For those who don't know what those words mean, uh, there are typically two setups that you have for microphones that you'd purchase. Um, There are the USB mics, which plug directly into your computer, uh, and there are XLR mics, which are the – Older sort of microphones that have a round, three-pronged input-output situation, and those are meant to be plugged into mixing boards. And the reason that you would want to use a mixing board instead of uh, anything else is twofold. Most USB mics don't play well together when they're plugged into the same computer. You have to choose one mic to be the mic that you're using. So if you want a situation like we have where each performer has their own individual microphone, you need, absolutely need to have a mixing board. Hmm. Um, And the mixing board that we use is a six-channel board. Uh, That's because we are doing actual play. So we'll have you know up to six and sometimes even seven people at a time on the same recording. Hmm. Um, and to make that workable, uh, you want a board that can accommodate uh, one slot for each person. There are splitters that you can get. Like if you're normally running a four-person party and you want to just add one more person that week, you can get a splitter for about $12. But the quality is not as good as just having a larger channel board Obviously, that makes it more expensive. And mm. as far as microphones, uh, I generally use uh, the CAD GXL 2200. Um, it it retails at about $60, um, which is not bad. Uh, and if you listen to us on our Skype stream, we are using Audio-Technica 70s. They are uh, lav mics, and uh, they run at about $150
0: and you edit with audacity
4: yep i edit with audacity which is a free program uh so (laughs) you look at us (laughs) and you look at the look at the things that we've accomplished that is all you need Mm. you can go more in depth if you like but you don't need to do that uh you really only need to use a free thing Mm. and uh who hosts your your feed at the moment Uh, That would be Simplecast, which is a company that uh, just – like I think it's one or two years old, but they have a pricing structure that really works for podcasts because they are purpose-built for podcast distribution. Um, I think it costs us $200 a year to host us. Um, we used to uh, work through a different company called Rackspace where we would hold our stuff, but it would charge by the amount of data that was being downloaded. And once we started you know, getting up to like six and 7,000 downloads per week, uh, our monthly bill would end up being around $700, Ooh. which Ooh. was not sustainable.
0: Um, a very like bad that... things about Rackspace as well in terms of losing data and uh, yeah. being unreliable
4: uh so definitely uh do simplecast instead because they are not charging you that way you know you you set up you set up your account and that's what it costs and there are no balloon fees or anything like that and it's designed for podcasting and like as far as podcasting goes which is not great they provide pretty good analytics hmm.
0: and megan what do you and you and ac use there
3: I'll talk a little about uh TRF and Acer can talk about Firefly as to cool. the nature of the shows. Uh redacted files uh we like a lot of horror, adventure, sort of suspense type of games, things with conspiracies like that. And so we tend to do a bunch of like small one-shots, but we also release a lot of mini campaigns. So most of our campaigns are lasting about 25-30 episodes, except for we're running Rise of the Lord which is at about 50 now. <laughs> But uh, So we release every week with those, um, and what we like doing is having a bunch of people come on. So we don't have a consistent cast from week to week. We have people that we've met online that we invite to come play with us um, for different campaigns, and then they show up in other campaigns. So our mic setup is not very consistent hmm. uh, between recordings. So Acer and I both use a Yeti, and then uh, we backup record everything we do on a Zoom H1. Um, which is just a mini handheld recorder that we could use if we ever decided to do a game in person, but we mm. haven't done any of those for TRF yet.
2: We recorded um, more than 200 games for TRF and never one in person.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we use Audacity to edit because we are cheap and we were very poor when we started out doing this. Uh, we use some tools like, uh, there's something called Levelator that we use to help balance out levels and things so we started using a online tool called Audionic where you can upload um multiple files and it does a bunch of the leveling and um cross gates technical stuff that I'm still not that great at for you and uh then we edit on Audacity and we host on Libsyn which is I think one of the more prevalent podcast host places we looked around a bit when we were Initially setting up and it was the one that best fit our needs. Hmm. So for that one, you just pay for the amount of data you're uploading each month. And, um, it doesn't matter how many downloads you get.
1: Hmm.
3: At least not that I've seen so far. So.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What we're going to do is, is go through what I think is, is kind of the process that people are going to go through in their heads when they want to start a podcast. This is aimed at the the person who's about to send an email to to one of us saying, "I want to start a podcast. What do I do?" Or is just you know it, it just become the little glint in their eye. It's just a gleam of an idea. So we'll go through that and off the back of that pro that thought process, go through the stages of producing a show. I'll I'll preface all of this so we can, we can have this in our heads as as to sort of where we're pitching what we're saying. Um, so it's it's the first thing is is what the hell do you want to do? Uh, the second, why do you want to do it? Uh, how the hell are you going to do it? Um, is the first start of the process. And then once you're actually doing it, there is capturing the sound. So making you sound good off the bat, cleaning the sound is making you sound like actual people and not people in a phone booth, editing. So making you sound competent <laughs> and producing to make you sound cool. All right. Um, and that will that will be the basic structure that we're going to go through, okay? Uh, does that sound good? Yeah. yeah. Cool. If it breaks down into an open discussion where you've got interesting stories, whatever, do that, okay? So, uh, what the hell do you want to do? And I think this is something that people don't necessarily think of first. They start by saying, I want to do a podcast. That's definitely how I did it. I was like, I listen to lots of podcasts. I want to do one. But then it comes to that... What actually do I want to produce? Personally, I listened to a lot of podcasts and I thought, uh, this can't be that hard. I'll I'll give it a go and see if we enjoy it. And we were playing Inspectors, so we weren't, we weren't playing our regular D&D game. I thought, well, it's not going to matter if we screw this up. So I'll just record the second game of Inspectors we played that night, edited it, and it turned out everyone really enjoyed that process. But I still have really no idea what it is i want to produce and so uh, our quality changes now especially if you're listening to the first sort of 10 episodes or so um of our podcast the quality changes the format changes everything gets screwed up until we kind of find a rhythm and so i wish i would had figured out before that what it was <laughs> i wanted to do <laughs> um so tell us about yours so uh megan tell us about the redacted files and uh asa about firefly I mean, what did you set out to do or or Was it a process of discovery?
3: Well, maybe Acer should talk about the redacted files because I didn't go into this saying, I want to be on a podcast. I started dating Acer and he said, hey, I'm starting a podcast. (laughs) Do you want to be a part of it?
2: That was your first mistake.
3: (laughs) That was my first mistake.
2: (laughs) So the redacted file started because uh, we had a couple of people on Twitter uh, who all listened to a couple of actual plays of... uh, Uh, Call of Cthulhu games and particularly Delta Green, uh, appealed to a, a couple of us. And, uh, I found a scenario, uh, which I thought was pretty funny, uh, and, uh, called PX Poker Night, which was one of, uh, um, uh, Delta Green's, uh, free, uh, starter scenarios. And, uh, there are a couple of people who I, I knew on Twitter that were, uh, Prior service, Air Force and Army, and I said, "Hey, this seems kind of fun," and uh, uh, managed to convince them all to give it a shot uh, at recording, and we could theoretically start this as a uh, as a campaign for uh, for Delta Green or for uh, whatever system we wanted to adapt it for. I think it was written for. uh,
3: We played it in D twenty. Yeah, it was
2: it was written for like Call of Cthulhu D twenty or something, Um, but. we uh, we started this uh, idea going, we batted it back and forth, and eventually uh, we said, okay, we're going to start this uh, Delta Green campaign with some uh, offshoots. But uh, as time went on, uh, it, it just became so logistically difficult to record these, uh, these sessions that we were like, well, let's play something else in the meantime. <laughs> and if you look at TRF's feed, uh, the first five episodes are all different. Um, yeah. because we started playing games and we said, let's just keep playing games. Let's just try whatever anyone wants to play. Mm. And so that sort of, uh, exploration continued until we actually settled down into picking some systems that we were comfortable with. Uh, but I think what we've always tried to encourage is for everyone to just, try to find the things that are interesting to them that are entertaining to them the things they want to play in or uh, or to run and so we 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 have a lot of variety and I think that's uh what uh we we try to shoot for is uh consistency in uh the sort of um fun that we have but uh in any sort of uh playground that anyone wants to explore
1: hmm
3: and, uh, Firefly was actually more, uh, Rob Week's brainchild. Jimmy's <laughs> stuck in the well. And, uh, he, he had played with us on the redacted files a couple of times. Um, and he really loved Firefly and the system. And we, of course, are huge fans as well. So, uh, he asked Acer to GM and me to play. And, uh, we had a little bit of trouble in the beginning getting a consistent cast, but we've really managed that now. Um, and I think that was more, uh Just a passion for the game, and there wasn't really a Firefly AP out there, um, and getting the word out about that, and sort of building our own take on the verse, since uh, it's not something you can do as much anymore since the show got cancelled. Luckily, we have made it into Season 2, so um, we're beating the show. <laughs> also,
2: can you believe that in all this time, FireflyPodcast.com and at FireflyPodcast were unclaimed? I
3: know, that's the crazy part. <laughs>
0: It seems ridiculous.
2: Um, so yes, we, we have squatted on those, and I don't think uh, <laughs> uh, shame nor money will get them
0: back. Before we go on as well, i shout out to Rob Weeks. Uh, on Twitter, he's at Zombieslag, and he's sort of like the, the hidden agony aunt of podcasting. If you're having bad times, <laughs> Rob will cheer you up. Uh, so James, uh, what were your thoughts on starting the Leviathan that is one shot and campaign, well- in fact?
4: the uh, one thing i'm noticing the design of one shot was a lot more intentional uh than some of these other shows because i had been podcasting for about a year before i started one shot um my, I, I was part of a network called Peaches and Hot Sauce, and our producer and CEO, uh, Pat O'Rourke, came to me because he had been listening to a show called Nerd Poker. And he's <laughs> like, I, I love this, and I know that you're into role-playing games. Is there any chance that you could develop something like this for Peaches and Hot Sauce? So I took a look at the field at the time, which there were actual play shows out there, but it was just sort of starting and because it was just sort of starting out not a lot of people knew how to do it um mm. and the most common technique for recording out there was the single microphone uh hopefully single omnidirectional microphone <laughs> in the middle of the table um that mistake has and- been made on the
0: sonora radio podcast
4: <laughs> yep yeah uh so like it's an easy mistake to make if if You know, it's your first time doing something, and you don't know how any of this microphone stuff works because you know how all the game stuff works. Mm. Uh, So, like, we found that a lot of the quality, like, if you weren't going to be nerd poker uh, and like super high quality, uh, you know, radio style microphones, then you probably didn't know what you were doing. There were a lot of, there's a lot of echo. There are a lot of performers that might Mm. not be able to be heard. Uh so like I took a look at that and went okay um I I think that just in terms of quality alone because we already had the mixing board we already had mics that could be used for each performers like in ter- in terms of quality there we can at least get our foot in the door um and the other thing that I noticed is people were either playing Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder um hmm. which like if you looked at YouTube, and even if if you look at YouTube now, it's even crazier. Like just search for Rise of the Rune Lords; uh, it's everywhere, um, <laughs> and it's the sort of thing where, like, yeah, of course, because it's a really interesting thing. A lot of the prep work is like taken care of, but if you're going to do it as a podcast and you don't already have podcasts that people know and love, then it's hard to compel people to like get interested in that cuz they're like well i've i've got 10 other choices for rise of the rune lords so at a certain point you're losing what distinguishes you uh so for one shot I was like, well, I I started playing games in college in this wonderful group where we got to see so many different role-playing systems. And it really affected my experience of how role-playing games are supposed to work. So with my show, I wanted to just show off as many games as I possibly could. Um, Mm. so we decided to do one shot as rotating game systems and to accommodate the busy schedules of the performers that I would be working with. I was like, well, let's do a different cast every time too, because that would allow us to have on different guests and I would be able to sort of build our cast for the genre of game Mm. that we were playing. Um, and so that formula, like, like as rough as it was, that became one shot. And that really worked for us because in those first you know, few series of one shots, it, it became the sort of thing where if you had never played this game, if this obscure role playing system had never crossed your path before, you could figure out how it worked through us. And like that, that really brought a lot of people on board because like uh, there are so many people who go, oh, man, that dumb obscure system is my favorite game of all time. Mm-hmm. And I would, of course, love to hear my favorite game played or I've been really curious about that game and I would, I would love to see how it works. So that really worked in our favor. And then from there on, like after that sort of became our staple, the thing that worked for us was uh, our guests being like, oh, man, I would really love to hear that person play games because i love playing games and uh it's cool to have things in common with people that i like um so those two parts of our formula really made it easy for us to grow as a podcast um Mm -hmm. and so my first advice to people uh like when they're thinking of like well what do i want to do it's uh examining what you want out of the show like if you want to record your friends to just have around so that you've got a record of your games and like you guys can look back on the session and laugh together like that's awesome you don't need to pour hundreds of dollars into doing that um if you want to produce a show uh so that it can be like not not like a career but like you want to do it as like a more professional level hobby where you're really trying to build an audience and you want to become a voice in the gaming community then you should take a look at what's out there and find a way if you can explain in three sentences why your show is interesting and unique uh then you're on a good path because like you, you will find an audience no matter what because you're you and you're a unique person and there are people out there who think like you and will probably want to listen to you. Um, but if you want to find a wider audience, uh, you have to give people a compelling reason to put their foot in the door. So – Taking a look and taking stock and being like, well, like there's already the redacted files who does horror this way. Why do I want my horror podcast? What 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 do we have to say that the redacted files isn't saying already? And when you have that like little road bump out of the way, you know, it's just Your creative energy from there on. But that like little bit of thinking about it, like, man, because when I was starting out, I I looked at Nerd Poker and I'm like, well, I'm not Brian Posen. uh, So I don't have tens of thousands or perhaps even hundreds of thousands of fans out there. Uh, there's no reason someone would want to listen to an idiot like me just because like, Hey, it's a comedian you've never heard of doing a podcast. (laughs) Like that's not a really great motivator. So it's instead our pitch was, Hey, this is a game that you've never heard before. And, and maybe you want to see what that game is like. Hmm. And so that, that's, that's what we went with. So that little bit of intention goes a
0: long way. Um, to, to throw this one to to Megan and Asa is what is it that you ironed out much later in the process you sort of, you, you you know you've set, set into a rhythm and you figure things out so what is it you wish you'd figured out earlier in the process or before you started?
2: I think um, what James has said is uh, actually very important uh, starting out with a sort of mission statement and giving yourself realistic expectations of what you are trying to accomplish and um, what you can accomplish given where you start is going to help you uh, in a big way when it comes time for you to evaluate how things are going like two or three months in and you really have expended that initial burst of energy and uh, it's time for you to sort of recharge your creative energy um, because you know that is a that's a finite resource for a lot of people and well actually for everybody, I think, uh, <laughs> I know there are certain times when I'm editing and I'm like, why am I doing this? Um, <laughs> yep. yeah. um, but, um, you know, if you, if you have this idea out there, you know, this is what we're doing. This is, you know, and always remember that that's something that when you write it out, should not seem like it's mostly work. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, Cause I mean, there are some, there are some times when we're, uh, we've sat down, uh, usually it happens when, you know, we have a, a a crucial, you know, sort of life work balance, uh, life work podcast balance sort of (laughs) discussion. It's like, how much time do we want to put into this? How much, uh, are we getting out of it? And it's always, uh, you know, the determining factor is, well, we're having a lot of fun doing this. We're, uh, still meeting lots of, you know, new, interesting people. Uh, people, uh, to, uh, <laughs> share this with. And so we're doing pretty good as far as our metrics go. And that's the thing is you have to have, um, uh, something that you can hold up and say, I am accomplishing this or I am, I am, uh, hmm. uh, moving along on this trajectory that I like. And, uh, starting out with an actual clear, uh, measure of that, I think is a, is a big thing that will, uh, help you. Uh, once you've established that mission statement and uh, put yourself out there,
0: absolutely. That 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 does sort of feed into what we're, we're looking at as as we go through the list of things. And before we go in, into discussing that in a bit more detail, because I think it's really important. Um, what you've raised is that some uh, something from what James was saying is it's why people listen to, to podcasts what do you want to do and part of that is i want to listen to this game I, or i want to listen to this person with with nut radio we kind of got into a groove when i figured out why i listen to podcasts and what questions i needed to answer with our podcast and that made it a bit clearer for me was people listen to podcasts to learn how to play the game i think everyone who starts listening to actual play podcast starts for that reason um because it seems insane to listen to someone play a role-playing game on a podcast <laughs> for <laughs> entertainment why wouldn't you listen to a ra- to a radio play you know um so i mean there are radio plays that are sort of setting a D like world out there we're so bad at adventuring quick plug quick plug uh that they-, they are brilliant they're a-, a comedy podcast uh that just does um is a-, a two or three person show depending on what they're doing and it's anarchic D&D-based nonsense.
2: you really think a world destroying abomination
4: is going to listen to a tiny little man barking out orders? It didn't listen to me the one time I summoned it. The one time you did what? I was a moody teenager with a mad desire for power. We've all been there.
0: <laughs> so you listen to it to, to figure out how to play the game. Then you keep listening and listen to other podcasts because you want to be entertained. And then there's the third, which is the community, which... you know, almost i think uniquely with actual play podcasts and gaming podcasts there's this really rich community Mm -hmm. um you know be it on social media be it actually in in the in the podcasts where it's not just about the people around the table and feeling their camaraderie which is a huge thing but also feeling that sense of belonging to the people who listen to that show having that that shared cultural experience um so that's the things I, I wanted to hit with our show and, and hopefully keep going with those. So it gives you a steer on what, to, what to leave in and what to take out of the show, uh, which makes it slightly less like work. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so going into, so from what the hell do you want to do to why the hell do you mm-hmm. want to do it? And this is to me, once you've figured out not normally it's, I want to do a podcast, but why, why do you, why do you? want to do a thing why do you want to make this product you know once once you get past that idea of um oh i want to do this and the novelty wears off what keeps you going so the short-term goal is usually i uh, oh i just want to tinker around and see if i can do this thing or here's a pitch let's see if we can make money off it kind of you know and then fail and then realize <laughs> that's not how you do things <laughs> uh, you're never going to be a rock star and then do something else with your life but what keeps you going? I think, and, and what measures do you use to motivate yourself? Is it all about how many downloads you have? Is it about how many emails you have? Is it about that one email from one person who was in a really bad way and said, this helped me out. Thanks. Um, so, uh, let's throw that to James.
4: Man, uh, what's the motivator? Uh, for me, I think my big motivator is just survival. Uh, I can't I, I have no marketable skills like as a, <laughs> as a person. Uh, any job that I could get in the traditional sense is going to be a day job for me. Like there's no there's no career path that that's laid out for a person with my personality and uh, my my sets of skills and my sensibilities. So I do my podcast to carve a place out for myself in the world. Now, some of you might be thinking a podcast, uh, as a way to survive and make money and live, that's a remarkably terrible idea. And, <laughs> and that's, that's right. But, uh, doing, doing a podcast, uh, especially doing a podcast, uh, like I'm saying to survive that, surviving doesn't necessarily mean it's your primary source of income and it's your money. I'm doing it because if I don't express myself, I will be completely depressed with the sort of life that I'm living. And I, you know, I, yeah. I've been through that before, where I didn't really have a rewarding creative outlet. Like I, you know, perform uh, on on stages at Second City and and the Improv Olympic and like a lot of the theaters around Chicago. But I found like I'm primarily playing to an audience of other performers who are also there that night to perform. And I I just found the cycle of the theater system here to be unsatisfying. And when I started podcasting, I was reaching different people and, and we had our own unique audience that were listening to us. And I found that that was a really rewarding experience because, Hey, I'm finally expressing myself for people that care about it. And even if they didn't care about it with money, uh, they're also <laughs> spending, you know, their time with me. They're, they're giving me, uh, support through social media or just through downloading the program. Uh, And the other reason that I I keep things going, like the impersonal reason is I really love games. And (laughs) right now we live in a world where it is impossible for game designers to make a living designing games. Like I know three game designers personally that uh, design games and that's the only living they have. And it's Ken Haidt, Keith Baker, and Robin Laws. And all those gentlemen... Are like super famous and prolific, and like not even Mm -hmm. not really super famous, but like they have they are at the pinnacle of the field. And if only people at the very top of the field can make a living doing it, then the current system is not working. And Mm -hmm. so like looking at role-playing games specifically, it is a hobby that's really hard to get into. Like you need the schedules of at least five adults to line up perfectly <laughs> yeah. in order to even just oh, sit down yeah. and do it.
1: i getting a migraine right now.
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but with with podcasting, you know, uh, it's something that people can engage with on their commute. Uh, if, if you're just, mm-hmm. you know, on work, uh, whether you're on the L train like me or you're on the tube, Uh, across the pond, uh, you can listen to it uh, even when you're trapped in these tiny metal coffins that take you to the job you hate. Uh, And that (laughs) is really important. So with one shot, the thing that keeps me going is I can help grow this industry and I can help make it so that these people who have designed these games that I really care about can make a living from that. That it's not an impediment to their lifestyle to keep doing the thing that is so important to me. So one shot is here, partially
0: to make games a bigger thing. Hmm. So Megan and Asa, I, I keep addressing you as one person, but I, I was going <laughs> yeah, to.
4: They They're on the
0: same microphone. <laughs> you are, all get gestalt.
2: Uh, that's what the uh, the track and the. The, the Bible and the uh, government now, or at least the IRS. <laughs> say. So, wow. Um, that's, you know, I guess we have to listen to them. Um, the IRS at least. <laughs> um, but uh, for me, podcasting has always sort of been connected to my involvement with RPGs. Uh, I lost... Well, I've been losing sight since I was born, but I lost a huge chunk of it all at once. And it completely changed the way I uh, interact with the world. And for a while there, uh, I was distinctly lacking in sort of interactive opportunities. Um, mm-hmm. So I used to play lots of video games, computer games, that kind of thing. And uh, that was a, a substantial part of my uh, you know, personal entertainment. When that sort of disappeared, I was left, you know, up shit creek. Um,
1: but, uh,
2: when, uh, when I discovered RPGs, or you sort of rediscovered RPGs, you know, you always have that sort of peripheral connection to RPGs as you grow up. Hmm. Um, I, I sat down and went, Hey, you know, you don't need to see to do this. Well, and then I remembered, Oh yeah, dice, but
1: there's an
2: app for that. Or back then, that was the answer. There was an app for that. Hmm. Um, but I sat down and was like, I you know, I there there is a lot of very interesting content out there. Um I mean, you know, it it's a great game and all, but there's more than D. Um and the uh appeal of getting into the um the hobby uh sort of started to capture my imagination. And the idea of uh getting to getting into it with a bunch of people from around the internet, most of which, as it happens, never actually, or didn't realize for a very long time that I could not see anything, <laughs> um, uh, was very appealing. And so we started out, uh, the very first, uh, game I played was with Megan and it was, uh, recorded. Uh, the audio quality is terrible. <laughs> uh, but it is on our feed and, uh, it, uh, you know, that's sort of where it all started for me. So podcasting and uh, RPGs are uh, intrinsically linked to me uh, personally uh, and very deeply. Uh, but also I found that the hobby, the sort of needs of podcasting, uh, getting out there and engaging with social media and connecting with people uh, also have facilitated my uh, involvement in the uh in the hobby more. Uh, so I'm actually, you know, communicating with people who, uh, are in, into games all around the country, all around the world. Uh, and, uh, um, you know, even on occasion connecting with, uh, with people who are involved in the production of games and actually, you know, dabbling with that idea of, uh, taking this hobby from essentially, uh, not owning any RPGs to thinking about, you know, licensing for publication, uh, in, <laughs> in the space of a couple of years. It's, it's a weird, you know, um, sort of, uh, I've used the word before, but trajectory to be on. But I think it's, um, sort of a, a very enabling and, um, it actually, I think, really does contribute to survival, um, in the, in the end, for me <laughs> at least.
0: I know exactly what you mean by creating to survive. Um, I, for my sins, was was a self-employed carpenter. I used to make uh, weaponry and furniture and all sorts. Um, and then I got back into the job I was trained for, which I, I, I'm a heritage consultant. I write reports for people who want to build roads. And um, <laughs> it has no soul. <laughs> so... Uh that outlet, I, I didn't have my workshop anymore, and so that outlet had gone, and so I just wanted to create something. And it was either sit and whittle things in my front room and, and piss off the wife, you know. <laughs> and uh or or it was create a podcast and sit in the front room doing editing and piss off the wife. Um Right. <laughs> but part of I think part of creating, I think if I think if you've got it, you understand it, and if if you don't, then don't bother. But it's it's the the idea of you want to create something not because people approve of it, but because somehow you feel you've contributed to their life. And um, when someone enjoys something you do or gets something from it, even if it's to be, you know, harrowed emotionally by it, then it's, it's it's still, uh, you know, it's some, some method of of reaching out and touching someone. And that is a magical thing. So, for me, I mean, I do look at the stats all the time. I look at how many hits we've had and whatever. But mm-hmm. if they go up or they go down, I don't, I don't really mind. What is great for me is when someone gets in touch with me and says, "Yeah, I think that's awesome," or even just on Twitter to say, "I like the last episode," is fine. Because I think for every one person that does that, there's got to be ten people who feel exactly the same way and didn't put pen to paper or didn't, you know, hit hit send. Or and there's a hundred people I'm looking at on the stats who at least you know, couldn't wait to download the show and, and yeah. got it as soon as it came in because they're enjoying it so much. And I equate that with being an avid listener of actual plays, um mm-hmm. which is something actually that goes down when you produce an actual play is your listening time comes <laughs> down. Uh, you just don't have time anymore. But you know, I've been sat staring a, a cubicle partition, thinking, "How do I write this background archaeology for the millionth time?" And it's it's Megan throwing someone in a smelter, or it's James ruining <laughs> salted caramel, um, <laughs> for which, damn you, sir, damn you! <laughs> don't buy it as a lube. <laughs> That's I feel the solution <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I'm, and i'm so I'm sitting there trying not to fall apart laughing um <laughs> or having actual feels about a pretend space boy and it's and I'm thinking, hang on, other people listen to stuff that I do and, and have this reaction, and that is what keeps me going ultimately. that's oh.
3: how Acer and I started dating is because we're both fans of the same a p podcast. <laughs> Uh, and which, uh, which we one
1: was started it? uh Cthulhu and Friends. Ah. Yeah. So we
3: started chatting and uh uh chatting more and so podcasts have a very special <laughs> place for <us. laughs>
0: yeah. Cthulhu and friends have a really strong community, I think, and I'm in part due to Rob Weeks. Uh doesn't he organise the Secret Santa thing that they do?
3: Yeah, he does he says the creeper Christmas. So
0: yeah,
3: I've taken part in that the last two years and it's been really cool and the community's really great, so it's part of what I wanted out of the podcast in that interaction with listeners. And we obviously don't get that as much as Cthulhu and friends because they're much bigger than us. <laughs> but it always means a lot to us when people talk to us or uh, we had someone this week offer to run 13th Age for us, run a little mini campaign. And I love that, especially because Acer and I <laughs> do most of the GMing on TRF. Mm. Uh, so we don't get to play in games together as much. It's just that fan interaction that we sort of wanted once we got into what we wanted from TRF and uh, meeting the new people that I really love from what we do.
0: Hmm. And I'll, I'll round this off by saying the one thing I think I really needed someone to tell me and sit me down and say, no, no, listen to this piece of advice. If nothing else <laughs> is if you have a partner or you're thinking about having a partner at some point, get their buy-in. Okay. Cause yep. it's, <laughs> Literally everything that you can do to make your podcast better and what we're going to talk about in a moment in in terms of the process of doing it. Literally everything you do that improves your quality takes time. Uh, so you're always going to have to have a balance between wanting to improve what you do and not having the time to do it. So you really need to have a good, a good understanding with your partner to say, Mm
4: -hmm. I will have
0: to dedicate like eight hours a week, whatever it's going to be to this and that will have to be done um yep. or you know buy that time off <laughs> i think a lot of us <laughs> do that uh so if, if i do if i if i have this weekend next weekend if we'll have a nice meal yeah yeah. You know, so. um <laughs> uh, uh,
3: yeah we've seen that happen with people that uh have been on our podcast because the, we're like hey we have this other game we think you'd be awesome in it and uh the thing is that we try to keep in mind is to push them to that their family is more important than our podcast, <laughs> and they should remember that. Um, and being there for your family—that's um, not spending true. Spending time with your family is very important. It's <laughs> not true.
1: <And laughs> we Ga- encourage that. Gaming is that. life. Podcasting I is mean.
4: Life. As an alternative point, uh, you know, when when uh, you put out a podcast and people listen to it, like it, it, for me, I've got two podcasts. Uh, people spend two hours a week at least, you know, listening to me or our friends. Uh, mm-hmm. That's more time than most people spend talking to their families. So think about that.
0: That's that's actually more time than I've spent talking to my family in the last year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
4: your commitment to my podcast is important
0: jpc <laughs> uh so uh, oh, i think as well that that is worth bearing in mind a lot is other people are going to help you do this podcast they mm-hmm. need to buy into this it's not a case of oh uh, well i uh, um, i suppose it'll be all right you need them to be enthusiastic about what you're doing um so if if you if you want to game with your friends and it's important that you are gaming with your friends and that's why you do it and not every single one of them is okay with doing a podcast it might not be worth doing because they, it might drive mm. them away um, but likewise if what you want to do is meet new people and say I want to do this podcast you might find people who are really behind the idea and you meet new friends that way so uh, which I think has it happened to all of us um, in one form or another Yeah. So, uh, so let's get into this let's get into the nitty gritty people let's do this Uh, so how the hell are you going to do this? This is the process, process with a capital P. So what I'd like to do is, is go through the, the sort of four stages of producing an end product and just give whatever tips you think are probably the most important to go around and we'll try and sort of sail through these, um, reasonably quickly. Uh, and I think I, I, I kind of want to stay away from, talking about this mic versus that mic or uh, the technical aspects of, well, do you want this type of connection or this type of uh, setup? Uh, And just go more into the general, what's going to give you a good bang for your buck? And if, if there is actually one single piece of equipment you couldn't live without, go for it, You know, plug it. So the first stage, I think one of the most important, as a lot of people worry about editing and about what programs to use, and about what mics to use. But the first stage is capture. And capture is much more about getting the performance that you want. That's really important. Getting the performance you want into a machine of some sort. Okay, And getting it recorded. But it starts with the performance. And there's an old adage which is crap in, crap out. Um, so I'll give uh, my first uh, piece of advice. If you're recording around a table... Make sure everyone knows that they are performing to a microphone. (laughs) That That is very, very important. If you've got something right up in your face, that's really good. It'll isolate people. Everyone's on their own different mics. But if you've just got one thing in in the middle of the table, and that's how most people start when they're recording live, is make sure that people are at least facing that and are moderating the volume that they're speaking at. Uh, we've had some uh, some people who would make a really really funny comment but just under their breath <laughs> <laughs> and then you amplify that in you think oh yeah i'll just put the volume up in um in, in post but you raise that volume you raise all the background noises you get all sorts of weird effects happening and it somehow seems it seems ludicrous that you would get some weird odd little artifact over the top of it just increasing the volume but you do so yeah make sure people are doing that and you know maybe not shouting or if they do you know shout away from the mic so that sort of mic discipline i think is is the first to get, and you can adapt that for whatever setup you have, but the idea that there is a thing that is actually capturing your noise coming out of your mouth um is something to to get over to everyone.
4: Yeah, uh, that, that is a really basic skill that every single person on a show needs to have is to know that, hey, the microphone is the thing that's most important. Um, I, I play with a lot of improvisers, and the first instinct for uh, most of them is to make eye contact with people when they're in character, and that means turning their heads and moving around, which is disastrous for microphones. <laughs> yeah. So yeah.
0: It's, it's a lot of discipline that you got to work into people. We shifted to uh, lav mics. What what we actually have is everyone has a lav mic. So for for those who don't know that a lav mic is um, a lapel mic or a, a little clip, you know tie mic, um, and we we put those as close as possible to to people's mouths. But even then, if it's just on your collar, for example, and you turn your head to face the GM and you're facing away from that mic, so you get a reduction in volume. So what we've now uh, gone to is. Um, I've had head mic, uh, sort of, uh, rigs to sort of put things on people's heads, like, like being in a call center. Uh Um, but, uh, many of us have beards, so we just put it in the beard. Uh, so it's all, (laughs) it'll turn with our head. Uh, it's it's working quite well, apart from when people scratch their beards. But, um, so, so the lesson from that is everyone have beards. Um, Megan, get yourself a stick on. I'm
3: working on it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, and then you can also take part in stonings in Judea which is awesome.
1: Perfect.
0: Uh, hey. So what, what about, what about you guys? What's, what's a, a tip that you would give people for getting the sound in backup recorders? Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Oh dear God. Yes. Uh,
3: yeah. Especially for us. Uh, not everyone's mics end up working that great. Um, or sometimes they forget to hit start. And so the backup recorder that we run every time we record things has saved our asses more times than i care to mention
0: (laughs) and what is that backup recorder because uh james and myself record around a table but you guys record on skype so uh
3: yeah we use hangouts usually um and so we used to use uh since acer's blind he had a victor reader which let him record into that um but we use the zoom h1 now so it's really nice we uh have a setup where the The Zoom H1 comes in through my mic, so I have the Yeti. Um, and then the output cable that lets me listen to what's happening on the computer plugs into the Zoom H1. And then I plug into the microphone out on the Zoom H1 so I can hear the call. And then my audio that's going in through the mic also gets recorded onto that.
0: So you're recording Um, everyone's onto that one device? Yeah. So Mm.
3: everyone's getting recorded onto that device. The one probably run into is, um, When it's full, it doesn't stop or tell me it's full other than changing on the screen. Um, Oh,
4: my God. Yeah. What a nightmare.
3: (laughs) So, um, if you're good about cleaning out your card, hopefully that won't be a problem, but I get lazy sometimes.
0: God, that reminds me. (laughs) <laughs> uh, all, all of our lav mics we, we actually did try to do uh, a mixer board um but one of the problems is that uh, our venue changes quite often we used to record in a fire station and then we're in different people's houses and all sorts it was, it was very interesting to have the uh the alert go off and sort of have, you know, <laughs> the alarms go off and, and people used to think that we we would stop recording go and fire fire and come back um <laughs> Which which may or may not be true. I'm not going to comment on that. Yeah, please do not ruin that fantasy. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You almost did. But, uh, we, it didn't work out for a lot of those reasons because it's a huge thing. They are large. So that, that got donated to someone. But, uh, also we're having problems with getting the right mic. So lavalier, we found out to our detriment, having bought one of these, that lavalier mics just don't work with them. They just don't work. With 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 mixing boards, yep. Oh, they do, but you have to do a very specific. You have cabling. to buy the right, yeah, lav mic. Hundreds that's, that's and hundreds of dollars. Do. Yeah, uh, that is true. <laughs> that is very true. Because you can get a decent lav mic for ten dollars, but if you want one that'll yes. go into a mixing board, hundreds. Um, <laughs> so we thought no. Uh, and now we all use um, individual, uh, cheap as hell digital recorders. But the upshot of that is that the failure rate can be quite high. So if it might not record, it might switch off halfway through unless you're paying attention to it. Um, and luckily, we've all now got into the habit of just checking it every once in a while to make sure the light's flashing and things like that. But we still back up record with um, a, the old USB mic we used for the first half of the show um, in the middle of the table. Uh, which, incidentally, allows me to do blooper reels because everything's condensed, so it doesn't matter how good it sounds. Uh, so in terms of making people sound good when they are recording, uh, do you think we've we've covered that or is it... Well, is I actually have tips? one important
4: comment that is Shoot. very specific to genre, and that is actual play versus discussion. Um, mm. For an actual play show, uh, if you want to do actual play, like I said in the beginning, uh, the mic in the middle of the table method is not wonderful um now that's that's fine if you want it for personal reasons but if you are trying to make a real run at this um in the more professional sense if you want uh, a lot of strangers to be invested in and listening to your stuff you need a microphone for each performer now as Mm -hmm. paul pointed out like there are ways to do that on the cheap um the way that i do it is rather expensive it is several hundred dollars expensive um but it is the jump in quality. Like I I usually tell people uh, who are either looking to spend too little or too much on podcasting equipment is that there is a basic threshold of quality that you need to meet for people to invest in your show. Mm. Uh, I personally, I've got a couple hundred dollars worth of recording equipment uh, that I have in my apartment, um, but I don't, put too much work into it beyond that because as long as everybody has a single mic uh in front of them it produces a clear sound that's easy for people to listen to you can go overboard if you want uh but going (laughs) under going under can be pretty disastrous uh for you because like It just makes it hard for somebody to invest. Like they'll get a couple minutes into your show and go, man, these people are really funny. Uh, Man, this is a really entertaining thing. I love this game, but I just can't listen to it for the audio quality. So if you're going to go actual play, really strongly advise getting a mic for everyone. Mm.
3: And uh, I strongly advise not letting anyone eat uh, during the recording. (laughs) Oh, God.
0: Oh, God. Yes. Oh, God. Oh, God. (laughs) <laughs> I've I've banned Pringles for the simple reason that it, um, people don't necessarily get this but there's a lot of mental filtering that goes on when you're around a table with people and you, you will filter out the sounds you don't want, the side conversations and all that sort of stuff but if someone is eating say potato chips, if they are eating Pringles the number one god hazard (laughs) then you will not when you're listening but that uh, i'll start getting english when you're listening to that back as a recording the only thing you are going to hear are those pringles you can't tune it out Mm -hmm. there's a different mental process going on
3: and it's hard because like when i started playing role-playing games it was all around a table and like we'd all eat and that's like a big part i think of that cool in-person thing but if you're doing it for a podcast it's 100% believe has to go.
0: (laughs) And if it's in the center of the table as well, that's where your character sheets are. Thinking about this logistically, it's where the dice are going to get rolled. It's where things get passed Mm -hmm. over. So someone might be doing something really cool, but you're hearing this rustling noise while it's happening, uh, which you don't even recognize at the table. But sound Mm -hmm. works on a logarithmic scale. The further um, you get away from the mic, um, the less response you get. And it's not a straight line. So things that are right up close to the mic sound horrendously loud. Um yeah. it's it's insane. So you might have to be a bit of a noise Nazi. Um as I think it's uh, the Knights of the Night podcast call their editor. Um <laughs> we've started trying to do things where we just have to shout pause before we make noise, you know, to have a break for noise. Uh, otherwise it's just maddening. Uh so unless anything anyone else wants to drop on there?
4: I think that's the big equipment note that I have.
0: Yeah. I, I've looked around a lot at various price points and it, it, it comes to that situation of everyone's going to have a different setup because everyone's going to have a different recording situation, essentially. Um, I would love to have a mixer with individual mics for everyone exactly the same way that OneShot does, but I might have to take that in a messenger bag to someone else's house and that's not going to happen. So. Yeah. If you can leave it there, get, get the big bulky stuff. But if you're going to have to cut yourself around, you might have to go for little crappy, um, <laughs> digital recorders. Uh, or if you do the sensible thing and do it over Skype, um, then that's great because <laughs> you've done the important thing and everyone is isolated in their environment. Um, so there's no, there's no crossover. You can move people around and you won't get echo and things ideally. Uh, and if someone coughs in one room, you can just cut them out. That's fine. If you're recording around a table, no matter how much isolation you have on those mics, no matter how close they are, I mean, we literally record with the mics three inches away from our our mouths at all times. If someone coughs or sneezes or sniffs or something, it's still going to come across on all those other mics.
4: Oh, jeez. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Uh, Oh, and um, discipline. How many times, people, would you say you've cut out the word um to the nearest 10,000?
3: (laughs) Acer. (laughs)
0: <laughs> um yeah
2: i think megan has purchased a sharp stick with which to uh, poke me
1: <laughs>
2: um, because uh, just filing one down would not be sharp enough
4: <laughs> both uh cat and i are pretty bad at it
1: like a faux hawk
4: though jpc is pretty bad at it the <laughs> indelicate part was saying millions of people because it references my escapades and Johnny O'Mara is a flawless, luminescent being uh, who <laughs> never makes any vocal mistakes or has mouth noises at all. Th- that's a lot to unpack, buddy. So, <laughs> yeah. I- I- I've gotten to the point with um and uh because I have so many performers filtering through the show that there's no way I could limit that. And also, uh, if you tell people don't do it, like if you're working with a consistent group and it's the thing you work over over time it, it's fine but if you tell somebody sitting down hey don't say um or ah uh, that is all they will do throughout yeah. the entire show because they're going to be self-conscious about it yeah don't exactly think about unicorns.
0: don't don't do it yeah um I, I am the worst the worst i think the gm is generally the worst uh around the table because they got me thinking on the fly all the time and so they want usually to usually they're fill saying the Yeah, uh, I think I once for a blooper reel edited a supercut of me going, um, mm, so, uh, well, so, um, and there's about a minute and a half of it, but it came from a three minute stretch. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, with that in mind, uh, cleaning up. The, the cleaning process is, is you've started, you've got your, your recording in whatever way you, you've managed to capture it. And you've just put it into Audacity. It's raw. It's got white noise on it. It's got ums and ahs. And it's, you have to get it into a situation where it is at least workable, where you can start crafting it. And not a lot of people, I think, will understand this before they get into it. Um, because like I said our, our minds naturally filter a lot of this stuff our minds will naturally adjust for the level changes they'll adjust for the spikes uh, and uh, we have a natural amount of compression that goes on between our ears and that doesn't happen with a mic uh, unless it's a really 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 good one with onboard compression and all sorts um, so this will probably lead off to a few things uh, and, and probably talk lead us to talk about things that happened during recording that we need to clean up later that we wish didn't happen um so I'll, I'll get going i think um the the one thing that i would pass on to people for cleaning and things to do during recording is that no matter what happens you are going to have background noise and i don't mean things like cars going by i mean just the room noise the room will have an ambient noise to it and it'll be white noise of some description I mean, there might be pipes in there, there might be a heater, there might be air conditioning, things like that. There will just be some noise in the room at all times. Uh, or just an artifact of your microphone. Uh, I know mine kicks out a load of white noise and it's rubbish, but it's small, so that's fine. So the first thing that I would do when recording is have, uh, we almost have like a moment of prayer. Is it? as We have like a 10 second silence so I can record <laughs> the no noise in the room. <laughs> And then, uh, in order to sync up everyone's devices, I just bang a dice on the table or, or a, like something hard on a table. So I get nice, sharp responses. So I know where to align everything, where everything starts, because everyone's going to press record at a different time. Um, and everyone's devices and uh, anyone recording on any different device at all is going to record at a slightly different rate. So they'll end up being, you might line them up perfectly at the start, but by the end, one track will be slightly longer, one track will be slightly shorter, so you'll have weird effects going on. So you need to increase or decrease the, the length of that. So we do the, the tapping of the thing again and produce those control sounds, and you have that moment's silence so that you can... Um, it's, it's the noise reduction tool in Audacity. It's a very important mm. one. Um, so that you can find a piece of audio and say, I don't want this noise in my track. And take that white noise and take it out. Um that I think is probably the the single thing i would pass on.
4: Yeah, that is the most important tool <laughs> in yeah. our
0: editing too. And you can use it multiple times if if the if the situation changes. It's just make a, make sure that as the person recording you you make sure to say, "Oh, right, things have changed, there's a new noise. Let's give me a few seconds and i'll be able to get that out." Uh, at the fire station we would have people uh cleaning the pumps. So we would go from normal white noise background to <laughs> and it would go on for 20 minutes so we just have to stop and let that happen but uh, uh, but we could take it out because of that process
4: yeah i, I really want to point out to people that uh, what paul was saying about leaving yourself that moment of silence that uh 10 second moment of prayer is very important um i've i know i've talked to a lot of green silence podcasters. the podcast gods yes <laughs> I've talked to a lot of podcasters who are just starting out who tell me, I hate that noise reduction tool because it makes the podcast sound weird. And the reason that it's making the podcast sound weird in most cases – is people are when they get that the, the way the tool works is you will identify a part of the audio going, This is the room noise. And the uh, algorithm on the computer will recognize that noise throughout the recording and eliminate just that noise and only that noise. Uh, if you get somebody breathing, or you get a part of a word clipped into that area, it will go through and remove anything that sounds like breathing or part of a word from your entire recording. So you will end up with bizarre robot people talking on your recording instead of human beings. Uh, But if that's
0: what you want, if you're doing a sci-fi show with lots of robots, go for it. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. just I, I would
4: definitely encourage people to put in that moment of silence um, and make sure you're isolating just the room noise, because that tool is really valuable. And editing without it is a friggin' nightmare. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's very, it's very important to get like nothing in the frequencies of human speech in that sample. Mm. Um,
0: Absolutely. Yeah, if you've got an AC unit that somehow goes up between, you know. Um, was it 120 hertz to was it a thousand hertz or something that's right in the human range um it will be impossible and if you do have something that's loud or something that might come into the human range give yourself a much much longer time if there's if you absolutely can't stop that noise happening give yourself not 10 seconds give yourself 30 seconds give yourself an entire minute you know make sure you set up before anyone else gets in the room um it's the longer you have for that algorithm to recognize that specific tone the better it's going to be able to cut it out
2: oh uh, also uh, a tool to use sparingly at the outset but which can save you a lot of time
0: truncate silence <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i I've, I've, I've looked at that one and it gives me the fear
3: <laughs> yeah, you have to be careful with it because it it truncates sometimes there's like a natural silence or a a moment uh where you want that long silence and it will cut that out. Um but if you use it sparingly it can cut a lot of time out of our editing process.
4: <laughs> I yeah, I've never I've never tried that one. That sounds like Russian roulette to me every time I look yeah. at that tool I'm like. <laughs>
3: so <"Ugh."> maybe <gasps> Uh, I'm not sure I 100% recommend it.
2: It depends on, uh, I think it's more useful for remote recording situations because you will encounter a great many instances of people who, or, or where people pause because no one's sure who's going to talk
1: yeah. next. Yeah.
2: And so, uh, we have to deal with a lot of that and be, be careful with it. Um, it's like using a lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I have issues surgery. on using lightsabers.
3: No. It's more like using a blaster since it's not an elegant weapon.
0: <laughs>
1: for a more civilized age?
3: Yes.
0: <laughs> it's a thermal detonator, man. Very <laughs> I could do an hour right now on lightsabers. Right now. Let's, something let's do this. use
3: for TRF and for Firefly, um, especially when I'm really stressed about editing. I think TRF in general, we started out wanting really high quality episodes and then as life became more of a reality for us and Acer started working more, um there was less time for that for us. Um And so we were like, well, we're going to do the bare minimum to make this, um well, not the bare minimum. We'll make this listenable. We'll get rid of the main background noise problems. No one's eating, but we're not going to worry about having... I used to live next to a really busy street and we'd stopped worrying about all the cars and, um, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But people definitely, I think that definitely something that turns people off of TRF, um, is that we're not as strict about that as other podcasts, but it's what we can manage.
0: <laughs> I think that very much goes back into the whole, what do you want out of it? You know, if you yeah. want to slave away and do something really polished and all that, but if you want something that is good enough and, I, and I'll, I'll harp on about being a carpenter is is nothing is ever ever good enough for a perfectionist ever and you have to learn that if you want to make a living and you've just got to get things out the door and you just go right fine it's done enough how it goes I, I would like to actually dig
4: into that because i think that is sort of an addiction that some podcasters contend with um it, it, it's something that can drive you mad Uh, my edit time because i am a naturally lazy person i try to make it so that it's not too much more than twice the length of the episode that i'm doing so for an hour's worth of content i am there for two hours Uh, One thing that I have done to train myself away from perfectionism is I am also playing a game in the background while I am editing, which means that some ums and uhs are left in the show, and that is a thing that I do for my mental health. Uh, Because I am only – my attention is only drawn to the podcast if something distracting is happening on the audio. (laughs) So the listening experience that I have is very much what uh, the people listening to the show would have. They're on their commute. They're cooking. They're taking a hike. They're doing something else with their time. And I'm trying to remove any distracting elements that might be on the audio or any any jokes or things that, that, that I really don't think will work. Um, and I yeah. limit my time to, like, two hours, two and a half hours, three hours at most. Cat uh, Cool, who edits campaign, which, like, you can tell just by listening to them side <laughs> by side, campaign is a lot more meticulously edited than one mm. shot. It, it can take her you know 10 or even 12 hours to complete an episode yeah. and our our good our good buddy aram uh oh, at oh god's yes. fall he, he does uh, he's them. the young gods of force fire luck and speed fought nearly as one while Brennick slaughtered any who broke their line ah! they were a devastating force but not unstoppable 30 to 36 hours of audio editing for a single hour of
0: content <laughs> and stood um, up as well as a standing desk
4: yeah and you know good on him like that you that, can tell but that's
0: you can really tell but oh my and
4: god if, <laughs> if you have a personality and lifestyle that accommodates that sure 30 hours isn't a, a, a bad thing but you know, for most people, it probably is and it's probably not a healthy thing and there is an easier way to do it. And uh, something something that my producer Pat said to me that has really stuck with me and I think is an important piece of advice uh, for people to hear when they're going into podcasting is, okay, for most projects, it gets to a point where you can either make something 10% better or one day late and the thing that you got to measure is like oh man that 10 percent better would be you know really good for me because it gets me that much closer to perfection but if it's a day late you know what is your audience going to notice more and always always they will notice something being late before they will notice something being perfect uh so think about that (laughs) really think about that when you're pouring your hours and hours into editing
2: you can always tell uh the initial wave of uh, episodes has expended itself uh with someone who is a perfectionist because there will be a steep decline <laughs> from one episode to the next um uh so you're breaking up there guys oh sorry yeah yeah you're, you're
4: roboted out
2: uh i was saying you can always tell when an, uh, a podcast has expended its initial pool of release episodes that they they put in the can before they pushed go on the feed <laughs> because uh, there there will probably be a steep decline for the perfectionist editor <laughs> as they realize yes. what they have committed to and the terrible, terrible mistakes they've made in their lives. We had one.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we used to do sound effects. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think what we're trying to say is Aram, we love you very much, but we're here for you and uh this is an intervention.
4: Uh, <laughs> uh man
0: my, he was talking
4: part of the problem he was, he was talking to my producer and he was like yeah I use Final Cut for my audio editing and Pat just like looked at him like he was a madman and R- Aram is he is a madman a brilliant madman but a madman and he said you can shave six hours off your audio editing process and Aram said probably and then when you looked into his eyes you could see the pools of infinity as the Lovecraftian tentacles had encircled his mind and completely Eclipsed what was once human. <laughs> Just think about that. Do you want that for yourself? Do you want that for yourself?
1: Well,
4: the uh, the but- thing that got me was that
2: eventually there came a point where I was like, "For the next time investing in this, I could be playing another game."
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes,
3: yeah. Because we record on average about four times a week, which is why we have a huge backlog. <laughs> of episodes um wow
4: so, that's awesome i wish yeah
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> that's the thing that we joke that
2: the podcast is actually just an excuse
3: yeah it is
0: <laughs> yeah we need we need content everyone we need content yes it's it's it's, it's for our sort of job yes not because <laughs> <the future. laughs> Uh, so that, that's, that is pretty, that, that thing that listening to something else in the background is genius. I might have to steal that. I, I'm not listening to something
4: else. I, I I have, I play, i lately, I've been playing FTL or darkest dungeon, which I turned the sound off and, uh, I am just playing this game that like, doesn't demand my full attention. There's no time limit on it or anything like that. And I can switch between that and the audio editing process. So it's not that I'm being distracted by another thing. It's that 100% of my focus is not on trying to get that one um that's buried in a very like flat waveform. Like I can let that one go.
0: I'm I'm not there yet. (laughs) Um, I'm still trying just to clip it. Just clip that. I can get it. I can get it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Imagine doing that and not being able to see the waveform. Oh my That's God. My life. <laughs> oh. Uh,
0: so, so we've, we've, we've got into editing now. So uh we've got the ums and the crosstalk and stuff that people put in and you wish they hadn't, but you've got to deal with them. So, you know, is, is there anything you you can bring up that has helped you streamline your process even further? To because, I think the one thing that everyone wants to do is get to the fun stage, which is producing it and, and putting sound effects and uh, putting your top and tail on it and um, making it sound yours rather than just a collection of words. Because uh, uh, some people do that more or less. But so is there anything else that you reckon is, is helps you in your process of editing? Any particular think, tools, any particular techniques?
3: Uh, we have a lot of um, tangents we go off on. And tangents are fun and they're things that happen at the table, but I tend to cut those out a lot of the time because I don't feel like it adds as much to the game for the listeners. Um, but it's just, it sort of depends on what you want out of your podcast. If you want everyone listening to your jokes, which <laughs> are really funny, I know all my jokes are always 100% funny. Um, then you should leave it in. It just, you have to know what you're comfortable with and what you want to put in and get out of the podcast, like we mentioned before. Hmm. Um, and then the other thing that I tend to cut a lot, um, at the beginning of a campaign. So we start out playing Firefly podcasts. And like, uh, you mentioned, um, Paul, I, I started listening to RPG podcasts because I wanted to learn how to run the game. So at the start of that, we leave in all the dice mechanics, figuring out our roles, figuring all that. And then we gradually start fading it out as the campaign goes on, because we figure you, you have an understanding now of what we're doing and uh, how we're mm-hmm. figuring out our dice pools, uh, the rules of the game. And then we just start focusing there on the story. And that's sort of a personal preference thing for me, because I don't want to listen to someone think about the dice they're going to add every time.
2: Now, um, if you've gotten to this point then you're here for something else
3: yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: we we did something that was like that where we um we just recorded a, a focus on the mechanics and just had an episode is me and, and one other person talking about it and going through the mechanics so that if anyone has questions on it we it, we've always got that to say just go and listen to that um, so hopefully we, we get that down but also that thing that you're talking about there that really struck a chord was all, all the, the stupidest asides you go on, all the, 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 non-game related chats you go on, all the, the non-canon explorations. I think, you know, campaign is, is brilliant for just like exploring all of this stuff <laughs> that never actually happens and go, Oh, and he does this and he does that. And go like, are you sure? Yeah, no, 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 that happened. And, <laughs> but that's why we have a blooper reel. Um, it started because Knights of the Night have a blooper reel, and I just enjoy that. But then I figured out what it's for, and it's that whole question of, this is really entertaining, but it adds nothing to the story. Get it in the blooper reel. Yeah.
3: yeah. That's, I edit the Firefly podcast, about half of it now, and so whenever I'm editing, I have my final tracks for everyone, and then I have a separate Audacity file that's just all of our bloopers, so that when Rob decides to put together another blooper reel, they're there. And then you' gonna save those funny jokes um for people to listen to, but they're not necessarily distracting from what's going on in the show hmm.
0: well we also just uh put put things in there that are discussions of rules and why decisions mm-hmm. have been made because one of the the things that gives me rage about actual play podcast is there's a decision by the gm and it's not explained, but you think why you you're doing something that's not part of the game or you're doing something you're not explaining why that is so i don't have context for what's going on <laughs> um, so how dare you leave me out of that discussion uh, but we ended up sort of putting a lot of stuff like that at the end so people can understand why I screwed over that character or why I said no you don't have that thing um, and I think it's very important is to explain why you've said no in a make-believe game that doesn't matter because you should really be saying yes all the time because who cares but <laughs> if you're going to say no explain why but at least have it at the end so it doesn't interrupt things.
4: That's that's interesting I mean I know we cut Almost all rules discussions Uh, like one shot will leave in basic explanations of rules. But if we ever have to stop and look something up, that whole section gets cut Um, because I've found that when I'm running actual play, momentum is always more important than Mm. doing things right. So if we're not playing by the rules or like we're wholesale ignoring a very important thing, it's because it's it's going to disrupt what we're doing at the table, which is always more important.
2: I think uh people's lives as uh, as GMs and players um drastically improve and the session uh dynamics improve as soon as everyone can have buy in on that idea.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We'll look it up later.
3: <laughs> Though you will I've seen this uh tweeted about from Cat and you James a lot. You will get the people be like, "Well, actually, the rules say" <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, do they? Do they say that? <laughs> do you know what, do you know what really, really upsets me? Just as a little aside for this, what, and I will end up in the blooper reel maybe, uh, is when people talk to Cat because it's Star Wars and because, oh my God, nerd rage. People say, well, that's not canon or that's not canon. It was, it's not. It's canon. It's, it's Cat canon. It's not G canon. It's not A canon. It's Cat. It's her story. Let her do the thing. <laughs> it's, it's a good thing. You obviously care enough about it to complain.
4: Yeah. Man, well, I mean, that that's anytime you're involved in a property where there is just that much lore. You know, Star Wars, like, there there aren't too many that that have that, but Star Wars definitely has
0: that baggage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you've got things like Firefly, where you've got this, oh, there's the redacted files, and, and talking, talking about things like Call of Cthulhu and, and, that, and that sort of uh, universe, but that universe is huge and expanded, and it's... It's kind of, it's okay. In fact, it's almost required that it be self-contradictory. But then you got it Firefly. It was broken when we got here. <laughs> yeah. So you got Firefly, which then has a, a very small amount of canon.
1: Yeah. And
0: then there's supplementary things that come out. But are they? Are they really canon? Like, do people? Yeah, I don't have think with... ever
3: read the comic books. So.
0: Nope. <laughs> I mean, I do, make do, it up as I go. Do people <laughs> ever come come to you and say, Uh, "Actually, uh well, you said that this class of vessel had whisper missiles, and it really doesn't." And uh, I think you're fine.
3: I think we got a complaint about us getting geography wrong.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Really?
4: Like,
3: well, which planet was where?
0: <laughs> like, It's actually in this system. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Not in my um, system, bub.
2: <laughs> well, if I take these two and I just kind of spin them around that way, and, well, it, you know, it's all relative.
0: Um, but you, you got hate mail. That's awesome. That means you've made yeah. it. <laughs>
3: Firefly's gotten hate mail. TRF, I don't think, has gotten any hate mail yet, so.
0: Yeah. I always say, you know, you've made it when you get the holy triumvirate of fan interaction. That's fan art. It's, uh, people emailing you to say it affected them in some way. And it's hate. If you get all those three, you've made it. And we haven't had any hate yet. So if anyone out there has a problem with me, bring it. Bring it. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, let's, let's get on to that. There's a lot of really awesome, tips there and um hopefully it's uh, i'm still in the process of trying to to not be a perfectionist and not get all those ums and cut down on my edit time um and hopefully that'll help me uh, this is entirely selfish this is just something i'm not putting this out <laughs> anywhere. um so let's get on to the fun bits uh and the potentially legally disastrous bits as well is you've got your yeah. audio in a great condition you've got your story set out the way you want it But now let's produce the thing. And the difference between editing and producing is editing is taking things away and rearranging them. Producing them is adding to them. And that might mean doing an introduction at the start. Uh, It might mean doing your um, calls to action, you know, sort of talking about your Patreons, talking about your um, media channels for people to get through to you. Or it might mean um, doing trailers for other people and running adverts and actually producing ad copy. Uh and then throughout the entire process you might add sound effects you might add music Uh so how do you do that and and what are the dangers and what are the tips for you to do this um so uh firstly it helps we have a lawyer in the room <laughs> so <laughs> but i know entertainment law is it's is a whole large beast on its own um and at any point feel free to step in and go, actually, lawyer, don't say anything.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I will say nothing.
0: (laughs) And also, I'm in the UK, so we actually have different copyright laws and and all sorts of stuff like that um, and different laws about monetization. Um, In essence, uh, in in England, we are allowed to make money off of our hobbies so long as... And we don't have to declare that as a business. We don't have to pay tax on it so long as the profits from that are not huge. That It's reasonable, in inverted commas. Uh and the profits go back into that hobby, okay mm-hmm. That's um, awesome. so it's o- so it's okay to do medieval reenactment uh for <laughs> film and t v kind of thing as long as you're just buying your equipment again and f- you know f- going back into your hobby and if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, we just we just expensed the hell out of our Patreon revenue. Yeah,
3: <laughs> like, uh, I bought a bunch of books, and uh, we did this and this, and so they were all legitimate podcast expenses, but...
0: There is another thing here, which is standard practice on the Swordnut Radio podcast, which is rather than say things we won't talk about, and people we won't talk about, and can you cut that out, is replace names of things with Steve Perry. So it's the Steve <laughs> Perry podcast, the Steve Perry company, that's okay. <laughs> So production. So all right. Uh, to to kick things off, um, I, I think of all of us, um, I probably put the most production into the actual meat of uh, our podcast, in that we use um, a soundtrack in part to cover background noises that we can't cut out and and pour. Uh, audio uh and lots of sound effects from BattleBards, who were kind enough to donate mm. us uh most of their library uh and give us a license to use it we also use theme music and uh character themes as well uh, as well as general combat background because combat's boring in actual plays <laughs> i'm sorry guys yep. it is yep. um so you know we try try and make it interesting with changing up the sound there um And also trying to encourage people to role play the combat better. Which, if you want advice on how to run combat better in actual play podcast, I'm going to big myself up right now. This is a, I I did a couple of episodes with um, so about 14 episodes with How We Roll podcast, where they wanted me to play like a one shot player, someone who would just arrive and then disappear somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I made a point of doing combat based characters who I would describe. Well, in terms of this is how I want my players to do it. This is how I want people on actual play podcasts to describe combat, and not just go, uh, "I hit it with my sword."
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, so you know, one was a a gnome with a two handed sword um, that's twice the size of him, and, and 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 you know, a guy with a sword and buckler, and it's how can you make that engaging and interesting and all that sort of stuff? But I'll probably cut that out because I'm bigging myself too much.
4: I mean, that's a, that's a stylistic choice that I think is important and people should be thinking about. So I would leave that in if I were you. (laughs) If you like the way you do something, do not be ashamed to say, Hey, I think I do this well.
0: flip it forward off my shoulder and as it sort of goes back towards vertical grab hold of the pointy end and then throw it as hard as i can it hits the soldier smack in the face with a pommel and he sort of goes down with a bloody nose but instead of like picking it up and just like running away i charge towards him and as this thing falls down i deliver a two uh, two-footed kick to his chest which sends him howling back Pick up the, the sword by the blade again, and I just swing around a full circle and take out two guards um, with the quillons in their knees. And nice. then as and then as it's still it's still sort of swinging around, it's still kind of in front of me. I turn around even faster. It finds its place on my shoulder, and I run back towards the rope. Uh, this Skype call uh, in, involved a lot of descriptions of me doing doing this and uh, sort of pointing swords and <laughs> things around uh, actually in person because I find it helps me focus. Um... <laughs> But if you're actually trying to describe something without being able to see it, it's pretty difficult. But if you're actually waving a thing around, you know. Um, so give people rulers at a table. If, if you're doing like a medieval Ooh. combat thing, give them rulers. Or if, they, if they've got guns or whatever, give them little rulers to, to point and <laughs> shoot at people. Um, Man, that is such
4: great advice for people like not using podcasts too to make their combat more descriptive. Like mm. that's that's something that people should uh, take home and put in their pocket. That's good.
0: So in terms of the, the production, uh, you guys fire ahead who wants to to take this um, oh i will Ooh, go ahead
3: i was just gonna say we we put we found different music for the start of each campaign to sort of distinguish um our Numenera campaign from our strange campaign from our uh, horror on the Orient express campaign and we got all that music from uh, kevin mcleod Called McLeod, I'm pretty Let's, sure you can find it in yeah. Let's all, all take a moment to, to thank
0: Kevin McLeod for what he's yeah. done. It's amazing. So
3: he has a great selection of music um, for a lot of different moods, and you can search it by mood and that sort of thing. Um, and it's all super great, and it's free for you to use. So you should use it.
0: <laughs> yeah, just give him credit. Otherwise, it yep. costs money. <laughs> um, he does actually have the rules very well signposted Mm -hmm. and very clearly written is that he has two commission rates um that it's not free it's just two commission rates the first commission rate is if you give him credit and uh say in copertech.com somewhere on your thing or in your show notes or whatever as long as you reference where you got it then the rate is zero if you don't do that the rate is something like 500 a a minute or something (laughs) uh but the stuff he does it is incredible and you can mix it up and cut it however you like and, and, and that's fine. You'd have to use it exactly as it comes, which is fantastic.
3: Uh The other note with that is um when we do our intro and outro, we usually have some bit of me or Acer talking over the music and the tool to use for that in Audacity is AutoDuck, which you just select the amount of music that you want to go quiet for however long your little orb is and it takes care of all the, like, going down, fading in and fading out for you. Mm-hmm. Um, which is super great.
0: Yeah. I, I knew I wanted to use that effect without knowing what it was. It's, it's, it's yeah. auto duck. What, if it produced just random quacking, that'd be fine by me. <laughs> well, cause first
3: I just was like, okay, I'll just go and change that. I'll like, uh, decrease the amplification in music. And I was like spending a lot of time doing that. And Ace was like, no, there's a tool for that, making. <laughs>
0: Yeah. It's it kind of lets it swell in between your your when you're talking. If you stop talking, then the music can swell up again.
3: Yeah.
4: Um so I know I intentionally don't produce a lot. Uh in in the very early episodes of One Shot actually uh for Feng Shui and uh God, what was the other one? I think uh scooby doo Call of Cthulhu, uh I <laughs> included background music. Um and I found two things about it. Uh the first was hey man this is a lot of work yeah. <laughs> and it's uh, and that work cuts into your time to do other things for your podcast yeah. in the amount of time that you're spending to edit in music you could be on a message board promoting yourself or you could be scheduling next week's episode so you know, how much value are you getting about having the music in there versus, uh, you know, spending your time elsewhere was an important consideration. The other thing uh, that I ultimately decided about it, One Shot is here to encourage people to go out and role play. And I want us to be very listenable and a very fun experience for people, but I also don't want it to be so perfect that people feel like it's unattainable. <laughs> um, so, like something like God's Fall, God's Fall, the intention of it is to use role playing as a basis for storytelling. Um, and you're consuming it uh, purely as an entertainment media. That's why when Aram spends 30 hours producing a gorgeous and perfect episode that is like the pinnacle of what game audio can be it's cool but for one shot i want people to hear it and go hey i could probably do that um and you know the the consequence of that is a lot of people then go out and start their own actual play shows that are also very good and they invest more time into editing audio which <laughs> you know that's competition that i'm creating for myself but it also means that hopefully i'm encouraging people who are You know, who have never really uh, gamed that way or who have never gotten the chance to game before in their life to go, man, I want to go out and do this. And that ties back into our ultimate goal of uh, adding more people to the hobby. So it's really a question you got to go, what am I accomplishing with this? Am I adding to the show and the show's mission by spending these five or six hours putting in music or am I doing it just because I think I have to? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really think if you can easily and confidently answer why you're spending time on production value, then you're doing it the right way. If you can't, then you should reassess whether or not you need it. I mean, yeah. I know that it adds value to the show. Like If you go back to the first feng shui episode where they we do the ninjas and refrigerators gag – That little audio sting every time we mentioned ninjas was really, really fun for me. (laughs) And I think it really added a lot to the show. And I wouldn't ever remove it. But also, I I don't think moving forward in other one-shot things, especially because I'm not the best at working with music, that I needed to look for moments like that and and try to accomplish it. Mm -hmm
0: um yeah. as, as, as a, a reference to uh redacted files uh, in fact it was no it's on the um it was a, a side game on the firefly podcast i think was uh late lasers and feelings, laser
3: feelings yeah. it had
0: the perfect laser feeling sound effect it's amazing <laughs> i want it i need it i must have it
3: i have to talk to rob about that he did so i usually do the editing and then he does the post-production
0: yeah
2: um James, I, uh, <laughs> wrestled with that production question for a very long time and ultimately decided, no, I cannot <laughs> answer that question. I cannot justify that. And, uh, <laughs> as a result, we actually increased our, uh, release rate by 30%. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, because ultimately, I think what people want is the, the games, not the, <laughs> uh, well, for us anyway, the, not my poorly produced, uh, sound effects. So, <laughs> also, the work it takes to find and uh, place and then credit sound effects is just incredible. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. We we, 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 well, I say I, I say we, yeah. Uh, I was quite lucky in, in that because of what country I'm in. And we have the BBC, which I pay for. Um, mm-hmm. through a license fee. Um, it's, it's got public broadcasting, but it's, uh, it's a non-optional fee, uh, <laughs> you have to pay. Essentially, it, it is a, is a tax, um, to fund the BBC. And as part of that remit, as the guilt of doing that, they put a lot of stuff out for free. And so we have, um, the BBC Sound Effect Library, which as a UK taxpayer, UK license rate payer, um, man, can, that's awesome. It. Um That's it's a, not fair. It's a, <laughs> But they they did take it off their website uh a little while ago, but uh the license is still out there to use. I mean you don't need even to credit them. You're in the UK you're using it. They just don't ask the question. Wow. But God. then there's uh Battle Bards. <laughs> who,
1: um The the Battle Bards
0: outreach program where they went and talked to people at Gods fall like how we roll um all sorts of, of uh great podcasts and said here's this sound library use it just credit us and that's fine um as as being fantastic and mm-hmm. I there is that pro I like doing that. It's my favourite part of editing. Um if I could just have someone else do all the editing and I would produce it that'd be fantastic. <laughs> also it's part of that answering trying to answer the question of why am I doing this and what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to capture is we are a weekly gaming session we are a bunch of people who know each other who sit down around a table every week and play a game come hell or high water And you see it mm-hmm. in our release schedule it's it's D&D dark heresy uh, inspectors something else it just depending on who's there are we core it for this game or that game you know, am I leaving out too many people? You know, are there too many people here that I'd have to introduce into the plot and all that? Well, let's just do something else, and I'll pull a one shot out of my ass somewhere. And the the amount of times we've, we've had to do that, I've, I've, there's you know probably a dozen games in there that I came up with thirty seconds before we played them. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is why now it's all in a the theme of rocks fall, everyone dies, is every one shot has, has that that theme to it because I, I can't think of these things. I've got got to have that constraint, but. When we were we were playing every week, I would start. I would play music and I would try and do sound effects. And since BattleBards have come along and given us a lot of tools, it's made that a lot easier to do live. But I would love doing that. But the thing is, if you're doing a podcast, you can't have music playing because you're going to cut out and you'll cut the music along with the background. So we we had to lose the in-person music. But I'd thought it's such an intrinsic part of. Gaming for a lot of people, and music is very important to me personally, and it's part of that creative process that i can, I can put that in there and I can uh try and come up with ways to use that in inventive ways however, never go full god's fall <laughs> if, you to, if you listen to God's Fall and how we roll they've they've both taken the same sort of strategy. And you might not have noticed, but every character has their own theme tune, and whoever is dominating the scene at that point, whoever's got the spotlight, the theme music changes. And it's great, but oh my god, the work. And they they end up with something like, you know, 50 to 60 odd different tracks um, that they have to edit and, and wow. keep track of. Yeah. yeah, Aram
4: showed me a clip when he visited of his audio files, and it is... The amount of layered tracks is terrifying. It's non-video,
0: is what it is. Yeah,
4: yeah, it's fractal. I think it's fractal. I think there is an infinite amount of tracks in a finite amount of time.
0: A lot of people do worry about how much to produce it, and there is a practical element of sometimes there are things I can't get rid of. Poor audio quality, um, bad EQ on some mics, things like that, where it just malfunctioned for some damn reason, and it's never happened again, never happened since, but like, you can't get rid of it, so let's just put some music on there to distract people hopefully from this this mess up that I can't get rid of but also it's fun <laughs> I, I seem to exist in in a a vacuum of lack of legal responsibilities, <laughs> but that is a really important thing, and again, this is something I really wish someone would would tell people before they get going because I've seen too many people get caught by this if you're producing a crappy little podcast for your own. or or not even crappy but just for your own enjoyment and you're not making money out of it you're not doing a patreon and you're happy to pay for all the equipment you're happy to pay for all the hosting and all that sort of stuff um which is the decision that i've made is that i i will not make money out of this because once you start making money out of things things get complicated what if i use something that was actually based on someone else's stuff or what if i just pulled something out and went oh i want to use this but someone notices and takes exception to it if i'm not making any money i haven't done them any damage I think, anyway, in terms of how these things legally, that might not be right. It might not be. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I can tell you that without being a lawyer. Yeah, uh, but that's just the U.S. system. But once you're making money, the world changes, and people are going to take that seriously. You know, you're no longer this um, this little entity they send a des- cease and desist to. You're someone they're going to go after because you've taken money out of their pocket.
2: Yeah, your IP laws weren't written by the recording industry. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, um but it's it's a cutthroat thing and be careful on what you use. You know, and I think maybe the touchstone is if you haven't got permission, written permission, don't.
3: Yeah. So like um I ran a one-shot for Acer based off one of my favorite horror movies, The Wicker Man, and I really wanted to put music from The Wicker Man in it, but um that is something I legally am not allowed to do, so <laughs> as cool as it would be, you don't do it. Unless you get permission.
0: Yeah. Just, just, if in doubt, consult a lawyer or don't do it, I think.
3: My lawyer, Aster, just keeps telling me not to do all the cool things with the music from movies that I want to do, so.
2: I still haven't, I still shudder at the thought of
4: how well you played me for that game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, 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 that, that, does get uh, a little complicated and hairy. Like I know, one shot we had to reach out to the record label that owns the rights to uh, "Be Your Own Pet's Adventure" so that we could use it. Um, you know, and and like the cool thing, uh, if you pick a smaller band or you know uh, something that has a more down to earth record label, you can actually reach out to the label and go, Hey, I've got a podcast podcast, barely make any money. Uh, what's the licensing fee to use this song. You can actually negotiate that. And like, hmm. even though it's sort of a scary prospect to talk to a record label, they are reasonable money seeking individuals. And if you are willing to pay money, you can have the service of their thing. Um, so it well, I, I, have people shy away from doing things like don't be afraid to actually go for it and get that permission because there's a business that that's surrounding this sort of thing and podcasts are rapidly becoming a respectable industry in their own right so record companies and whatnot are going to need to craft deals for us in the future Mm. So that we can use it, just because podcasting is very real and legitimate. And if you have money, even if it's out of your own pocket, you can use that to get
0: the things that you want. And mm-hmm. if you don't ask, you don't get. You know, yeah, exactly. People can say no, but you're not lost anything.
2: Yeah, a lot of a lot of people are just perfectly willing to see their stuff out there and in in use. And especially since we're not making any
0: money, <laughs> it's, it's it's also very important that James said the label. Yeah. If, <laughs> if you're not in the entertainment industry, you might not be aware. Artists who create music don't generally own their song, so don't go to don't necessarily go to that person if you want their sign off that's great, but they often don't have, they don't have the ability to make that call because they don't own that music. the label does.
4: But the artist can refer you to their label and the person to talk to at the label
0: who would control that property. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and that's very, very, very useful. It's the foot in the door. Someone's probably like to say yes as long as you refer to them in the right way. If you just call up or turn up at their office and go, um, I do this thing, they probably go, I don't have time to see you, so no. (laughs) Uh, And and they are right to do so because you're a scary person who turned up at their office.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I've heard a, like uh rule that you're allowed to use less than 30 seconds of a song and I'm pretty sure that is not true.
0: Yeah, um, it's fair usage and Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's all it's all very muddy things about you just got uh, to determine. Yeah. Determining what is fair use is a very
4: difficult thing. Uh, uh luckily in the It United may occur States, in a courtroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Luckily in the US, uh parody is a thing, uh, so you can at least prevent yourself from some harm uh, by having a reasonable argument. Uh, the thing that happens nowadays with most of our like YouTube and podcast-based foibles is that we will get hit with a C and D first. C and D does not automatically mean you are in trouble with the courts. It just means that you instantly need to stop doing what you're doing and yeah. review it. Um, if you decide that you actually have a legitimate legal case, I encourage you to seek, uh, counsel because you should not let people bully you. Um, but if you are, you know, if you don't, if you cannot afford that, if you're not in that position, uh, then it is probably best to work around whatever's happening. Uh, that's why I always keep fully like the highest quality of audio archives so I can remove anything just yeah. in case we get in trouble.
0: That actually is a really good point just for general uh, editing and producing anyway. It's not just if you get in trouble you can take it out later is um very much what what will happen is is as you produce your thing and you get to the stage where you've you've put your um your intro, you put your outro, you've done all your music, you've done all your mixing, whatever, is you export it as a media file. And the files that you've actually been using to edit, you know, the actual Audacity file itself is huge. Um, for a two hour episode for us, it's usually about one and a half gigabytes. And that can get a bit onerous to keep. And so people just, you know, export it down, keep the finished product. But what if, what if you need to take something out? So that's always worthwhile. I never delete anything now. The first few episodes have gone. But now, even just even if you haven't put anything in, you you might want to go back and say, well, I want to redo my older episodes. If you, say, got like a Patreon thing going on, say, well, our first series was rubbish because, you know, we didn't know what we were doing and we we're just figuring it out. But now people are yeah. paying – <laughs> and we've still got that in our feed well how about we do it again and we remaster it and whatever well if you've kept all your raw audio um or your your cleaned up audio at least then you can go back and you can make it better uh but if you've exported it down and said that's it done then that's all you can do and you've lost it yeah uh and it's also uh worth having for uh being able to to clip things out of and 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 make say um uh roundups of things you know if you want to do uh, i think the leviathan files did this rather bravely with their entire first season yeah um, which i think is genius if you they still have their first season you go onto their website and you can listen to it Whatever, but on their actual feed it's a 40 minute episode of a recap with lots of little things dropped in and some of those things that they dropped in were not actually broadcast the first time it was you know people trying to sum up for themselves as they were going along which didn't make it into the episode um but yes, it's all, it, uh, their first season is all about teeth and shopping, and it's amazing.
4: <laughs>
0: Dentists. <laughs> well, yeah, no, they're not my teeth.
4: Oh my god, who delivers a toothcake without their own teeth? Are you ever sober during any of your dentistry work?
0: Being a dentist isn't that hard. You don't really have to be careful. Motor skills are just a, It's optional. Yeah, definitely a dentist and nothing else. <laughs> so... Um, is there anything else that you guys, we, we focused on maybe a little bit too much about legal things that might have to all get cut, but is there anything about producing and produce and getting that polish on something, getting that identity on something, I think, and, and, and making it, instead of just, here's an actual play, it's making it, this is one shot, this is redacted files. What's, what's your tips?
3: I think one thing I think is important to think about is episode length. Um, because TRF, our second episode released is four and a half hours long, and we see a huge drop in listeners <laughs> um, after that uh, episode when people are starting to listen to our podcast. Because as much as like it saves the flow and everything, um, I don't think very many people, aside from like RPPR listeners, want to listen to four and a half episode things. <laughs> it's it's a lot to take in at once, and you feel that pressure to get through it. Um, so we try to keep our episodes less than two and a half hours now, preferably less than two. Most podcasts I see do from like an hour to an hour and a half, yeah. and that seems to be like the sweet spot to hit.
0: Yeah, because um, you, your recording sessions are going to be longer than that anyway. It sort of gives yeah, you a so, chance to stagger it.
3: Episode 202 of Firefly started out three hours and 15 minutes long, and when I edited it down, I got it to an hour and a half. So like... <laughs> There's, you'll get rid of things. We try to keep our recording sessions about three hours and then, um, you see where we end up. But I think it's important not to do those really long episodes.
0: And <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, uh, as well, that, that's, that's something that happens, uh, for, I mean, I, 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 we actually have very short recording sessions. We get about two hours worth of actual gameplay in. Um, so we meet for about three hours, three and a half hours and, once we actually get going, it's two hours of usable gameplay. And so that um, maybe two and a half hours, and that'll edit it down to about an hour and a half. Um, so it just, it doesn't make sense to break it down even shorter. We did for a little mm. while, and it, it didn't flow at all. Um, you know, we had to have this sort of dot, dot, dot to be continued kind of thing, and there was no cliffhanger. I didn't schedule it in terms of breaking it into small sections, and it wouldn't make sense in an RPG anyway, which is a slow form of storytelling. But say, uh, for example, uh, one shot, uh, you, When you're actually recording a particular game, is it all done in one session? Because you do split it up into episodes mid-session. Like, you you specifically make the effort to say, this is the end of the the show.
4: Yeah, we record to, uh, like, four to six-hour sessions. um, And that usually edits down to three to four hours of finished audio. Um, I try to be strict with people at the table about messing around. And we get the game recorded and we're done. Um, there are very, very few, I actually, God, I think, I can't think of any yet that have been on one shot that have been multiple recording sessions for the same game. Hmm. Um, it's, it it just, uh, helps keep to that one shot mentality. Um, you know, we've done follow-ups and sequels, but like the story that we're telling gets told in that session and that's it. We can leave it there. I, I i find that makes things a lot more manageable for me but you know it might not work for everybody
0: and how about the the campaign as well because uh, there is that sign off and go and that's the end of the episode but you you can sort of tell that five minutes later so you know come back after having a, a drink or something and get back into it or is, is that yeah, just me
4: campaign is a different beast altogether you know cat often is juggling like multiple recording sessions like very recently and i that's been for like the past 10 episodes or and, and there's still a lot more to go is uh we weren't able to be in the same place at the same time so to keep things going kat recorded separate sessions with like me and johnny and then one with me and jpc and her uh, with st- different stories that knit together because they were happening on the same timeline, you know, it for cat, she finds the appropriate dramatic out and cuts it there. Mm-hmm. And recently that has been producing episodes that run 45 to 30 minutes. And we supplement that with the dear my knock letter, which is a bumper that we've added. That's like 15 minutes of in character uh, stuff that we're doing that, isn't necessarily related to the main plot, but does uh, reveal things about the character's backgrounds or in most cases are just silly bits that we're doing um, that we tack on to the episode. Uh, So Kat is mostly shooting from what's the most dramatically appropriate out, and I am am looking for, man, how do I make uh, this work in an hour? And I usually am trying to develop uh different dramatic swells at each hour point but that can or cannot work out some episodes of one shot will end up being 50 minutes and others can be as long as an hour and a half you know it's whatever works
0: hmm. and haven't you guys on um oh, sorry I listen, I listen to firefly religiously so that's what i'll hmm. keep referring to rather than retracted files <laughs> uh haven't you guys started doing things um so like the the dear minor letters it's it's sort of uh, there's a voicemail and yeah. people come in. Yeah.
3: So Rob set up, a, am pretty sure, it's a Google Voice account for people to call in um, and leave messages like they're talking to the crew or... Um,
0: I need to spam that at some point.
3: Yeah. <laughs> or uh, to us to sort of more of a fan outreach uh, interaction sort of thing. And so he started putting those at the end of our episodes. Um, and you can also text into it, I believe, the... I'm going to have to look up what the the number is so I can, uh, promote it.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's, uh... Uh-oh, dead air. Uh, five zero four five one shiny So you have to turn <laughs> the shiny into numbers using your old, uh, dial phones. But you can call in and leave a message for the crew, uh, talk to us. I guess we won't really talk back except for recording on the podcast, but, uh... <laughs> It's a fun way to sort of get more user interaction.
1: You'll
0: like get to listener hear the response a whole eight months later. Yeah. So how do you spell shiny? Because I always get it wrong.
3: S-H-I-N-Y.
0: I always put an E in because I'm wrong. <laughs> so uh, that leads us very much specifically onto rounding up and plugging your things. People, you've put effort in today. Plug your stuff. Oh,
4: boy. Um, well, you can find me and my work at one shot I am the host and primary producer for the One Shot podcast. I also perform on Campaign, uh, which is hosted by Kat Cool. Um, Kat and I have a side podcast that we do once a month together called First Watch. Our network also has some lovely interview programs, uh, Modifier, Talking Tabletop, and Backstory, hosted by Megan Dornbrock, Jim McClure, and Alex Roberts uh, individually. Um, I also have a side podcast where I just talk about Star Wars lore called Never Tell Me the Pods, which is not technically part of the One Shot Podcast Network, though we do use one shot equipment for that.
0: Um, <laughs> and it is resplendent.
4: and you you can find us on thursdays uh we are now streaming on twitch at twitch.tv slash one shot rpg if you've got questions for me about uh podcasting the shows or you just want to talk to me you can find me uh most often on twitter i am at one shot rpg and finally one shot has its own subreddit um the one shot podcast subreddit uh so you can hang out with us there too
2: you can find us on the dot com or fireflypodcast.com. dot com.
3: It's podcast at wordpress dot because we haven't gotten the DNS switched over yet. Okay, but <laughs> uh,
2: well, if they're listening
0: in the future, it might be. That's embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
2: okay, um, and uh, we're at uh, t- at, at trf podcast on Twitter and at firefly podcast uh, also. Those are probably the easiest ways to get a hold of us or. Uh, I guess, at Acer underscore Tolentino, that's A-S-E-R-T-O-L-E-N-T-I-N-O. I was not creative when I created my Twitter handle, like, <laughs> about nine years ago. So,
3: uh, I'm on Twitter as well, at Curium247, and uh, on our website, theredactifiles.com, I post a lot about uh, tabletop Kickstarters, because I love <laughs> Kickstarters, and that's where a good percent of my income goes. So if you're curious about what I think about Kickstarters that are currently going on, you should check out at our website, to com
4: too. Oh, and where the rest of our income goes, we're going to Gen Con, so say hi. Yeah. Hey! <laughs> you guys going to be at the Diana Jones Awards?
3: I don't know yet. We're just starting to buy our tickets for events, which is a little behind the times. But we will be oh. running games, but I guess those are all sold out, so you'll just have to find us.
0: And I hate you all for going to Gen Con. <laughs>
3: It's our honeymoon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, and I do the SwordNet radio podcast. I was lucky. To, uh, I, well, I was foolish enough to name the podcast after my internet handle, uh, so it's already always set, already set up. I I, also, I want to big up some other podcasts as well. We've mentioned them. So uh, we've mentioned them on on the show so far but really go and see them uh well go and listen to them um there's Howie roll podcast who um have just started their patreon and are making a good headway into that um and the guy who edits it joe has just had a baby so he edits while caring for his six-month-old child um so <laughs> they need money for like getting baby shoes or whatever you do with those things uh, so go and support them they are brilliant they put out a good show uh and I guest on their show quite a bit, and they guest on mine quite a bit. They're they're lovely people. And the Leviathan Files and the Riverhouse Games podcast, they're run by the same people. If you've got any interest at all in Mass Effect, I think it's the only Mass Effect actual play podcast out there is the Leviathan Files. It's immensely, immensely entertaining. They also do the Riverhouse Games podcast, which is looking at games in a much more detailed way. They play things from scratch. They look at theoretical side of gaming as well. It's fantastic um they also and they have are, the
3: ta yeah. podcast now too where they look, talk to different queer people mm. in gaming which i think is super cool
0: mm. it it is brilliant i think if you want to add one thing to they've just started they have like 50 subscribers right now but they deserve <laughs> to be huge so if if you are going to add one podcast to your collection listening to this that should really be it. it's amazing and on that note thank you very much yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Yeah. Thank you. If you made it this far. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the intro and outro music was You Can't Run For My Love by Louis Barabbas and The Beardom Six. Music featured in this episode is from Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. Kevin, thank you for what you've done for open source music. If you want to get in touch with us, it's swordnutradio at gmail.com, that's swordnutradio at gmail.com, or on Twitter, at swordnutradio. Thanks for listening. And here's the bloopers. Hello. Hello. Yo. How you doing? How are you? Oh, not bad. Nervous. (laughs) (laughs)
3: We'll be good. I'm excited.
0: (laughs) We'll we'll see how bad I screw all this up. (laughs) We are just waiting on James from the One Shot podcast. Awesome! Uh, how are you guys?
3: Uh, doing good. We're gonna try to go buy a car this afternoon, so Ooh. we'll see how that goes.
0: <laughs> be much more interesting. We're gonna go and try and steal a car this afternoon.
3: Yeah, just well, I do not have those skills.
0: <laughs> <laughs> how do you know? Have you ever tried?
3: I've never tried, so well, maybe I there do. There you go. <laughs> Bing,
0: it's it's really for the hardcore podcasting editing nerds. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, big yourselves up, because um, the four people who listen to this are going to be really interested. I'll <laughs> be uh, setting up in a few. i we using Hangouts, Skype, or something else. James has not <laughs> read the prompts. This <laughs> <laughs> the Kickstarter's gone to his head. He's, just, he's sat right now, just just wearing a fur coat, being fed grapes. Probably. <laughs> $40, 48000 dollars worth of grapes is where it went.
2: <laughs> he's used all the Kickstarter money.
0: <laughs> um, because so I, I I thought about using that the one that you use the um oh, Zencaster is it?
3: Yeah, we've only used it a couple times so far, but mm. it's worked okay.
0: <laughs> I I did a chat with um Taylor from. Leviathan Files and, and Riverhouse Games mm-hmm. and it was just so buggy and then I listened to my track and it was I'm it was, nah, dogging like a robot all the way through and it's, oh, no. it's Really really but luckily I was recording my own track in Audacity and it's like those have been completely unusable um, so I've, I've, I've been scared off it he said it was the first time yeah. that happened but like huh? uh, the golden rule is you may interrupt me and tell me to shut up at any time all right. Because I talk too much, and I'm supposed to be a host and chair for this, rather than. A... James, yeah, bugger, get on. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we are planning on running the laundry at some time, so
0: we oh, might do that. It. I love the laundry. <laughs> I, I really want to run it myself.
2: One time, we almost got a group together. We got we uh, we had all enthusiasm destroyed by a, um, someone uh, who, bought the book and then looked at it and went. The font. I don't like the
1: font.
0: The <laughs> font, uh, yeah. Do you know, that that almost did it for Dark Heresy for me. <laughs> there's, there's a very easy way of setting things in Britain and getting people in the right mindset. Um, and that is always describe the weather. Always. <laughs> Even knowing that you're going to cut it out, describe the weather. But the weather is always overcast. Or there's a bit of drizzle, or it's raining, or it's light drizzle, or it's heavy drizzle or it's heavily raining, but it's always <laughs> overcast and it's always something something <laughs> wet is falling from the sky.
3: Helping out with drought.
0: It's all swishy. I don't like it being swishy. Testing one, hello! Hello! hello. You're all right. late, hello. can you guys hear Bastard. me? Bastard! Yes, I can hear you. I can't hear you. Because no? of that thing you did when you were 17, that's why.
4: Ah, oh, man! I knew that would come back to haunt me. Well, know. you know, that kid deserved to die, so...
0: <laughs> uh welcome to showbiz <laughs> i'm yeah. i'm i'm fangirling a lot right now uh because there's a lot of people i respect on this call <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: james is more than one person <laughs>
0: <laughs> <I'm Victor> too. <laughs> oh god yeah <laughs> i'm so i'm so pleased you found out what bugger all meant eventually <laughs>
4: Uh, eventually, I'm glad that I'm glad we had a lot of British people come in and just go no,
0: no, 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 no,
4: no. <laughs> Corrected.
0: But if you can do uh, the the Australian accent, you, it's it's so much easier to do a um, a decent um, London accent because a London accent well, is mean, just a stretched, well, so it's, it's a condensed version of an Australian. There's, I mean. God, like trying to do
4: uh, different British accents. I don't know the names for the different regions that I'm dealing with, uh, which is a huge problem for looking up like the proper accent because I usually end <laughs> up with a Frankenstein's monster <laughs> of like different regions of London that like you just go, oh, that's an alien human skin <laughs>
0: pretending to be British. It's that's not, that's not an actual person.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's um,
2: entirely off of American films
0: yes yes the um the, the granularity of british accents uh is dazzling um i used to live in a in a, a part of yorkshire uh where you could if you were local you could tell what village people were from <laughs> by the first wow. three words out of the ha- out of their mouth and my dad came from one of those villages outside this town i walked into a pub in the main town having only just moved there with this accent. Uh, which mm-hmm. is a pretty yeah. vanilla accent. So I walked in, ordered a pie, and they said, this isn't a Crofton pub. Like, and they wouldn't serve <laughs> me, because I, I sounded like I was from this village a right. generation ago. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's uh, never feel bad, because no matter what, you'll probably be hitting some accent Something. somewhere. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. And I have no life, so um, it's that. Uh. That really
2: helps with podcasting,
0: huh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, once upon hey, a time,
2: you, you
4: mean your life is podcasting? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, as far as the recording goes, how is that being handled? Okay. Um, are we all recording on our end?
0: You are all recording on your end, and we'll do a syncy bit in a bit. So, uh, if you've got Audacity going, um... all right.
3: Have it up. I haven't started
4: yet. So, I <clears throat> haven't started
0: yet. Get it started. I am recording with a MP3 Skype recorder. As well as a backup uh, and a sync track, Uh, and we will do a little um, clicky ritual thing before we get going. So, how does that sound? Okay. All right. So, let me know when you're recording.
1: Ah, we're recording.
0: I am recording. Awesome. All right. So, what we'll do is we'll go around and say your name, and then click your fingers right next to your mic, so I get a good sharp response. Okay. So, Paul. James? Uh, James. Megan? Megan. And is Ace on a different mic? Nope, no, same mic. Cool. Uh, you can get your fingers as well. You know, feel included.
1: <laughs> nah, I'm good.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, you've got your recording. Everything is, is sorted out. But it... oh. Sorry about that. Do a thing.
2: I'll, I'll all clear. <laughs> cool. wait, let me, uh, wait. Let me tell the phone to shut up.
0: Speaking of of noises happening, and someone has their phone on for shame. <laughs> 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 the redact. Sorry, i that start again. And so uh, that's that's a wrap, I suppose. Um, thank you very much, people. Uh, can we yeah. do the the little clicks as well, just for for this bit? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so Paul, James, James. Uh, Megan, awesome um so if you could go into that dropbox um and stick your file up there uh if you export as a wav please that would be great and call it anything you like so long as i can see it um we did overrun slightly sorry about that um we're about 20 minutes over um so if i made you late for things i do apologize if you need to get away then, then then please uh do so but um this has been fantastic. I've tried not to fangirl uncontrollably. <laughs> um, uh, and I'm available for voice coaching for various regional English <laughs> accents. Uh, <laughs> 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 I'm constantly just amazed by how many people look at the word sword nut and think, what, like, bust a nut? Like, they literally say this to me. Uh, uh, like, uh, uh, how? Uh, what? 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 What world <laughs> do you live in? Like that's the first thing? <laughs> yes, <laughs> Yeah, I was mean, like, I, I I assume people get sword nut, gun nut, that that's the thing. But is that it's from the UK press? Is it's always a sword wielding nut? It's never a sword wielding maniac. Or as you know, someone is in the press for wielding a sword, they're a nut. Um, so I thought I'd just do that since I I do that um, quite a lot. Um, rather than not appear in the press, I gotta say. But my my, my close friends and relatives have prepared their speeches. <laughs> I'll, I'll be able to send ooh, half a listener your way uh,
4: <laughs>
0: uh is, is any um plans of big things coming up for you now you've just finished your um kickstarter
4: yeah the kickstarter i mean it's uh delivering those books um is going to be pretty uh pretty big thing for us uh i just drafted up a micro rpg for free rpg day um so we're in the process of playtesting and, uh, designing like graphic design for that. Um, and really the, the Twitch Twitch, I think is like our next big step and mm. we're still sort of designing our studio and figuring out like the best way to do that, um, before we go full force into it. But, you know, we, we want to have, uh, at least a weekly Twitch show where, where people can watch yeah. as well. Um, so we're going to do that, and my big one-year plan is to not have a day job next year if I can manage it. So mm. we'll we'll see how that goes.
0: So I'm rabbiting on. I'm just I'm I'm babbling because I'm I'm fangirling about lots of people that I respect who <laughs> uh, who tell stories better <laughs> than I do. Megan, what's what's on the horizon for you guys?
3: Uh, we're Oops. going to two conventions this summer. The other one's GeeklyCon, which is the <laughs> network uh, Cthulhu and friends yes. is on. So that's on our coast, so we could go.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Cthulhu and Friends did for Kittens what One Shot did for um, (laughs) Salted Caramel.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so um, we're trying to get back on our regular production schedule now that we actually have all of our equipment unpacked.
3: Yeah, because we got married and I got offered a job down here the same day as the wedding, and then I moved down here within the month, so we're finally (laughs) evening out again.
0: if anyone ever is going to question as to how much time out of your life and how much part of your life podcasting becomes um it really is this it's it's, you build your life around i was editing uh, a once upon a time game on the flight over to florida for my honeymoon (laughs) she'll never know she she doesn't listen she won't know (laughs)
4: okay so uh i've got a game actually that i'm gonna be nice. in uh, in like an hour what, ga- oh, what but, game oh. is that oh uh some so some of our fans who produce like a massive amount of fan art have this game that they tweet about all the time and like it's gotten to the point where kat and i very well know the characters from their game uh they do a edge of the empire thing and recently they've gotten into an arc of it that uh clone troopers are showing up so i was like hey you know if you ever need somebody to to guest as a clone trooper to make the thing easier for you let me know and i got contacted and the offer was like we'll draw any fan art you want and like everyone in that (laughs) game is a talented cartoonist and i'm like that is a really good trade. So <laughs> so I'm going to be doing it. And, and they didn't tell me this originally, but apparently they're planning on starting a podcast with it. So <laughs> it's also a chance to just be on another podcast, which I love to do. But Paul, I, I wanted to know, are, are you doing any conventions or anything
0: um, like around the UK? Uh, no, we, we, uh, for a start, there aren't that many. They... There's dragon meat, bud. <laughs> uh... It's going to be a thing, and to be fair, no one would know who the hell I was. So we, we are hey, we are amazingly popular in Texas, but no one in England knows who I am. That's really funny. <laughs> I mean, hey, that's how that's how
4: people learn. You should get some postcards printed up and give it to the How We Roll folks so that they can uh,
0: do some work for you there. <laughs> yeah, I know what their rates are for that. So no, <laughs> <laughs> guys, I love you. No, I don't really. You're horrible. <laughs> <laughs> i almost expressed actual emotion to another uh brit then no, that's not allowed we're not allowed oh boy yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: tea weather that's it and animals the only things we're allowed to emote about <laughs>